This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are doing a doubleheader, Bob Marley, colon, One Love, and Madam Web. He's spinning a webmon, and it's connecting it all to the new revolution. That's appropriation. I'm sorry. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! How are you, Aaron? I'm doing well. I had a nice day with my lovely girlfriend, and... Uh, there you go. I'm uh, excited to you know be on a recording with you, Abe, because it's been a minute since we've actually talked on the show. Might, might have been a, a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be back. You know, I, I did miss uh, the Argyle review, and we have certainly had a lot of specials in between, uh, but... Uh, we're back to a jam-packed February and moving right into like summertime. It's going to be crazy. The fun thing about this period is that the summer movies are coming, but right now we get all the trailers for the summer movies when we go to the movies. That's, yeah. that's, that's always exciting. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into film news, most we swear for your review, the occasional commentary track or some other public topic. This is episode 566, 566. 566 is not an area code. I know that for sure. I don't know what it uh, what it uh, relates to, though. What if I just typed 566 like into Google? What would I get out of that? I bet you that would be like, did you mean 666 for the omen? First, I get Wikipedia's page for the number 566. <laughs> then I get then I get something called drugs.com. <laughs> it's 56. Don't click on that website. 566 <laughs> pill images. No, no. That seems I just, like, I just a, like that there's a drugs.com. That's, yeah, that's the music that seems like a place where you're going to enter your credit card information and it's going to get stolen. Like, do you think like someone official wanted drugs.com, but like some random guy like bought the URL to drugs.com? It's yeah. like, I got it. The guy who still holds onto it bought it in 1988, probably. Would He's you like, say he's holding? Definitely. Thank yeah. you. All right. Um, what are we doing this week? <laughs> this week we're talking, but we got drug, was double that a drug dealer reference. We, I thought it was a good joke. <laughs> We got a we got a double header this week. We're talking two movies that needed to be talked about at the same time: Bob Marley: Colon One Love and Madam Web. Two films that came out this uh, on on Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and have proceeded into President's Day weekend, mm-hmm. as far as American holidays are concerned. That's what's happened. And joining us to discuss Bob Marley and Madam Web, we have from sites including the AV Club, Superhero Hype, and Slash Film. This morning, he heard three little birds pitch by his doorstep. It's Luke Thompson. I'm not worried about a thing. Good, because everything's going to be all right this show. Yeah, absolutely. As long as I have my Doom popcorn bucket, I'm good. (laughs) Eating one kernel at a time. (laughs) That's the only only way you can with that thing or your hand gets trapped. Maybe you get like a big, like super thick straw. Super thick straw. You have to like 3D print that yourself. Yeah, yeah, but you know. Eat, anyway, eat it like brun- eat it like Brundlefly, right? Ex- that exactly that. Fly? Yes. So yeah, get like a starry, spit it all into the <laughs> and then take it back out. This is so disgusting. Just like the dude popcorn bucket. Look, how are you? How are you doing? I'm resplendent um, at, oh. for President's Day. Uh, since it's President's Day, I thought I should say some fancy word that implied, you know. Good. Yeah. No, I I, I would have thought less of you if you didn't. So, uh, so what a beautiful word. Thank you so much for increasing our vocabulary. Yeah. By the way, we uh, have like 20 more minutes on the Dune popcorn bucket in like two we weeks do. from now yeah. when we talk about the actual movie. <laughs> That's oh, I don't enough. actually know what resplendent means. I just threw it out there. So I um, believe it's a positive word. 
Definitely. Yeah, that, that's what I, I thought. I thought it was more like a fashion thing, but uh, me, attractive and impressive. Respond. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's that's me mostly. A hundred percent. I see the shirts you wear in your videos. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's impressive if people can read them because they're always backwards. But I'm, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to wear more pictures on the shirts rather than words because. You know. Well, glad you were here, Luke, to talk about these these specific movies with us. <laughs> no, looking I am, forward. Of course, the perfect person to talk about Bob Marley with. Hundred percent. Yeah, you love the guy. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I we are happy to have you back on the show as always. Of course, I'm, I'm have, happy to be back. I love the conversation. Well, th- I, we appreciate that, and we are, yeah, we have plenty to do this week. So uh, let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, new commentary track. It is a new month. It's February. It's been a new month for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that means we have a new commentary, uh, which is, of course, the second part of our current Pirates of the Caribbean marathon. So we talked about Dead Man's Chest, mm-hmm. the 2006 blockbuster. And boy, did we talk about all 150 minutes of that movie. And that's not even the shortest one <laughs> or the longest one. Uh, yeah, but uh, Brandon Peters, Scott Mendelson, Yancey Burns, and I had a lot of fun digging into Dead Man's Chest. Um which joins, of course, Curse of the Black Pearl for January. And uh, yes, we are going to do the preceding three films in the coming That's months. Right. So stay tuned for all of that. But you can find... Set. Exactly. Yeah. But of course, you can find all of those on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere you find your podcast. But if you do go on iTunes or Spotify, you can also give us a rating and review, which would be great to pop us up the old iTunes charts. I haven't seen one in a while. So if you do give us one, thank you so much in advance. It would be nice to get a new iTunes review. Just yeah. to, and we'd, we'd read it out loud and everything. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. No limits. That's what Abe says. Hashtag no limit. It's <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Oscars are coming up. We still got a couple weeks away, but as yeah. we normally do, we do our Oscar prediction show, which we will record like that Friday night and get it out mm-hmm. very quickly and then do our Oscar results show immediately following the Oscars. Who wins? Who slaps? We'll see. Hey, uh, what? <laughs> what? They, they're not going to slap anymore. Wink. Maybe I just meant like who did really good. Oh, you know, they, oh they, I they see. Slaps. Yeah. Music, yeah, music yeah. slaps. Yeah, 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 like who? Yeah, which uh, which uh, nominated? Which Diane Warren song slaps? Yeah, which original Oscars. score slaps? Got it. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be Ludwig winning for Oppenheimer. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be fun as always as we do with these Oscar prediction shows and all that. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's show notes. So let's move on now. Let's get to some. Let's get to some out of hookies. Trademark. Each week that now we win with you to talk about the week that's on the cookies. Goodbye. Abe, you've been uh been a little Miami? gone recently. What have you been watching? What have you hey, seen? Hey, guess what? Nothing. Um, no. Uh Argyle didn't care for it. I, I know that you had some fun parts with it. I think maybe everybody else is a little bit less. I also was probably on the the little less part, you know. I thought it was not not so much a mess, but uh certainly a little too long for what it was trying to do. Uh and uh not my favorite thing, uh, except for maybe something we'll talk about later this this episode. For one thing, Peter liked it a lot more than I did, but oh, also strong, Peter. decent. I think was our general regard. <laughs> strong, for decent. Okay. Strong, decent. Yeah, maybe mine's just more decent, <laughs> less strong. Um, and then, uh, really, honestly, I've just been super caught up with work. So, um, television, old movies here and there. Uh, but nothing uh, incredibly major. What old movies? Give us a give us a hint. You're, we're talking. We're talking a few good men. Uh, we're talking uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell. You know, I'm watching these things all the time. 
Uh, we're talking the Bob's Burgers movie. Like again, these, these are, are standbys for you. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, these are just you. things <laughs> on the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just things that you usually watch. Yeah. And and <laughs> it's one of those like familiar things, so you don't actually pay have to pay attention to it while you're working. You're just like, oh, it's on in the background. I know this scene. Oh, it's, that's fun. It kind of just, it's a uh, Dan Caffey just doing research, yelling at Sam Weinberg. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. All right. Well, Luke, what have you what have you seen recently? Well, um, nothing, none of the less recent stuff. Um, I'm on the Critics Choice Association uh, nominating committee for the Super Awards, which is an awards ceremony they do for superhero, comic books, sci-fi, video game stuff. Mm-hmm. So in catching up, I saw Gran Turismo finally, Hey, which uh, normally I pretty much hate racing car movies. And Neil Blomkamp, I'll give him credit, he made one I didn't hate. So Hey, there you go. Okay. Um, is all right. And then I watched Paprika because the 4K is coming out this yes. week. And uh-huh. uh, I, I love this. I love this movie. I was telling everyone when it came out that it was a great thing and nobody believed me at the time. And I think finally they do. Um, there's so much going on in that movie. And mm-hmm. Inception took so much from it that I think we now sort of realize the greatness of this film and the fact that it's Satoshi Khan's final movie makes the whole you know frustrated filmmaker subplot in it really more poignant than it ever was it's it's beautiful i introduced my wife to it she loved it um gonna watch it again for all the extras after we're done tonight great i love that you and i both name anime movies so aaron we're looking at you buddy uh in the realm of anime i don't have much the best i can say and you can leave the best I can say is I finished, uh, if you want to go to Aaron's video game corner for a second, I finished the Prince of Persia game that came oh, out, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is very, like a while ago, yeah. which is very anime influenced. Sure. I mean, it's also like a 2D scroller in this one. It too, is, yeah? But, yeah. but there's a lot of like super moves that characters do and cutscenes and stuff that it's like, well, that's clearly pulled out of various anime. So. Very cool. That's the that's the closest I get to anime. Luke, was there it's anything thumbs else? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, it's a, it's a I'll, one second. I, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. I think it's a very fun game. It's very fun to play and very addicting. As far as I keep wanting to play it, like it keeps mm-hmm. it keeps you moving. I think the story is whatever. The story is like, eh, okay. it's fine. I, I say that just because I think Sands of Time is such a good story for a video game. Where mm-hmm. this one, by comparison, is it's fine. Uh, but okay. that's not like the pull for me on this game. It was more of I just really like playing this version of Prince of Persia. Sure. So take that as you will. Luke, was there anything else? Uh, there's nothing else movie wise. I've got a couple other things lined up. Like I said, for gaps in my superhero comic book adaptation, there's a yeah. Tamil one that's called something like Marvili that I haven't seen. Um, that's on Amazon Prime that I got. Thought I'm going to check out next. Um, that's about it. Uh, All right. You know, m- movie wise, that's it. There's been some TV, but hit me with one of your TVs. Oh, the Bad Batch season three, which I can't oh, okay. talk about as of this recording. But uh, I still have I'll to finish it. season two. Oh, well, hey. you don't have to. <laughs> Honestly, when you say oh, that, I'm no. like, if, if when you say that, I'm like, I might not. Because I don't, like, I, I like the first season well enough, but I watched, I was watching too. I was like, I mean, yeah, there's more of this. Like, it, it wasn't, pull, it wasn't pulling me in, in the, the deepest of ways. And I like the, I like that style. I like Clone Wars, that yeah. animation style specifically. Like, I, I don't, I'm not huge on Rebels specifically because I don't like the animation in that show very much. Mm-hmm. Where this one, I like the kind of like wood block kind of style that it mm-hmm. has going for it. I just, I don't like, I don't like the, the guy who does a bad New Zealand accent anyway is 
now cool. playing five Maoris. He's playing all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore Morris is so they, busy. He's so busy I, being Boba Fett and Aqua Dad. Aqu- so. uh, yeah, Aqua Dad's <laughs> dead. Yeah, drinking Guinness. I get that they cast him before the Apu movie came out, but you know it's time to rethink. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, there is one movie I know you've seen um, that I'm going to talk about. It's called Land of Bad. Uh, oh yes, yes. I, you're right. I have a review up of that. I've. I've I'd forgotten because the ones that I actually wrote about, <laughs> I don't think about as much once once the review's out. But yes, fair enough. Land of I know Bad, that I had, goes. Land of Bad, I had a lot of fun with. It's funny because I when I started watching it, I was like, "This is boring. I'm not getting into this at all." And then, at a certain point, once the mission kind of goes sideways and becomes another thing, I was like, "Okay, now I'm kind of into this. Now this is kind of." blatantly like they wanted to shoot this in the 80s and have it be vietnam but you can't demonize vietnam anymore so they demonized the philippines mm, uh, interesting. and then when russell crowe go, just goes to the grocery store just and buys groceries it's amazing i i wanted to bring this up specifically because a this is from director william eubank who did the yeah, signal yeah. which we are big fans of and he did underwater which is a pretty solid survival thriller slash a Lovecraftian horror movie um and it's written by david figaro um who we interviewed way back in the day mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah yeah um with his uh, brother uh, yeah uh so we have friends of the show um you know delivering delivering a new movie again and i agree with luke i think it is a lot of fun it's a really solid action movie as far as just like what we're seeing on screen like it does the things that i've seen in other Eubank films at this point, which is like in intense slow motion in certain parts. Yes. Um, and then just the way it's shot, like I'm not gonna say it's like the best action film I've seen in years, but there's there's enough there where I'm like, if he's gonna make like an action movie like this, I'm down for it. Like it okay. does the job in that regard. And it and it does enough where it takes both the my second favorite Hemsworth, Luke, and the my least favorite Hemsworth, Liam, and gives them a lot to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even like even um, I think your rating for the Hemsworth brothers is pretty spot on. I think I've I think I've never been wrong about rating of this Hemsworth brothers. <laughs> I think it's universal. Yes, I, I I'm very aware that Luke is the second best. Hem- that's not. That, I think I think people were catching up to the fact that I already knew this. No, I I knew this too. Yeah, people watched watched Westworld like that. Luke Hemsworth's pretty good. Or just like, watch like Australian TV. Yeah, yeah. It's not just I, like I know Luke. That's where it's at. <laughs> Luke gets it. He's you know they share the same name. They know what's up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, I I think I do just out of all the crap I give Liam Hemsworth, who I think is fine. I don't have he's not a Scott Eastwood to me, where that guy's just like a block of wood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth is like, oh no, he's okay and his stuff is, but he but he's like the lead here along with Russell Crowe on the sidelines as a drone pilot, and uh, no, it's solid. And yes, Luke R- Russell Crowe shopping for g- vegan groceries is utterly compelling. <laughs> like just the way he's conducting himself, it's it's this very it, it's this very interesting segment of the movie and you're like, why do we keep cutting back to this? And then you kind of slowly realize what's going to happen. It's like, okay, I, I see what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but it's good. No, I, I enjoyed Land of Bad quite a bit. I was, I'm happy okay. to see more good William Eubank films. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I watched Out of Darkness. This is a um, a Stone Age horror movie. I know. We don't get wow. enough of those. That's that's what I was saying to that's, myself. That's a, that's a great movie pitch right there. It yeah. is. It's essentially like prey, except instead of a predator, it's like there's th- probably some other caveman or something sure. out there. Okay. Um, there's like a there's like a bunch of foragers like looking for like food in a place to like 
essentially live and then there's something out of the darkness hence the title uh starts killing them one by one it's 80 minutes ish uh there the movie uses its, its own developed language which is pretty neat in itself okay. um and the violence in it's pretty brutal my only issue is it's 80 minutes and it still feels long like it still mm-hmm. feels like it's stretching this premise out as far as it can mm-hmm. um which is unfortunate but i do think like the atmosphere the look of it is really good i believe it shot up in like northern england to get the kind of the visual, the very stark visual that's going for. Okay. And so like, I, I would recommend the movie out of darkness. Like I think it's atmospheric enough where like you just get, if you get into it, like it's tense and everything. It's just, it's not, it's not great, but I think it's good. Okay. Uh, I watched cobweb. This uh, is the horror movie, not the horror movie. Oh, although I did watch cobweb, the horror movie in January. So I, in the past two months, I've seen two cobwebs, uh-huh. <laughs> but cobweb, uh, the one I'm referring to right now is the new Kim Ji Woon movie. Um, Kim Ji Woon, who I like for good, the uh, the, uh, the good, the bad, and the weird, and um, uh, Tale of Two Sisters, and uh, I Saw the Devil, and The Last Stand, of course, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which we like. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually a fun movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie. This is a return to Korea. It's a uh, Song Kang Ho is the star of this one, and it's like a it's a movie about Song Kang Ho plays a Korean director. Who has made a he's made like a neo-noir movie. Uh-huh. It's set in the 70s. Okay. And he like ha, he like wakes up one night and is like, I know how to make this movie even better than it is. They've already shot and wrapped Ooh. the movie. But he's like, you know what? If we get two days of reshoots, I can make this into a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And so it's about it's a comedy and it's about him gathering together like the cast and the crew again so they can like frantically shoot two days worth of reshoots to make it the best movie that they can. That sounds great. It's really fun. It's okay. a really fun yeah. movie. Uh, Song Yeho is great in it. Uh, it's It has an approach where in, you see like the antic, you see what's taking place in color. And when they're when you see footage from like the movie they're shooting, it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it's neat to see them like go back and forth between these things. But it's largely like a screwball comedy. Like that's really like how it works as far as seeing like it reminded me it, it'd be a good double feature with like one cut of the dead um, as far as like a movie about a making of a movie. Yeah, like, I was it, thinking but, Edward too, but yeah. Edward, yeah, but like they're not not not. They're not bad at their job. <laughs> this is the way to put it. <laughs> but no, I can see. I can Understood. see that. Yeah, I can I see that. There's a. There's a. There's a share. I can't imagine them not thinking of that at some capacity while making this movie. The only problem is it's like it's it's a it's 135 minutes. Like it's very long. When it doesn't, okay. really, it feels like this could be a tight two hours, and it's like eh, it goes a little longer than it needs to. But that doesn't stop it from being very entertaining. So yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this one, Cobweb. I have I haven't seen a Kim Ji Woo film in a while. No, I've missed a couple, I think. But uh, no, I was happy to see a new film from him. It's something that's decidedly different. Like this is like. A a fun movie as opposed to like his bleak revenge thrillers that he's made that are very violent. Um, so yeah, no, I, I quite enjoyed this. Glad to hear. Um, I watched the entire Mr. And Mrs. Smith TV series. Yes. Amazon prime on Amazon prime with Donald Glover and my air screen. Um, this is great. <laughs> um, hey. I really enjoyed yeah. this. Now it's the team. It's basically the Atlanta team making like a spy action show. So I'm like, well, that's obviously going to be up my alley. And it was. I mean, I think Glover and Erskine are very good together. That the show's a lot of fun. It's like eight up. Ep- yeah, it's eight episodes. Each one of them has like a variety of different like s- special guest stars in each episode. Um, it has the right kind of attitude as far as how to be something that feels akin to those those actors' personalities. Sure. And it's wisely like a reimagining of Mister and Mrs. Smith as opposed to a slavish remake of a movie that I don't think many people like super care for mm-hmm. uh, like it's a i know it's a blockbuster hit but it's like um does anyone 
like talk about Mr. Mrs. Smith all that much these days. I don't know. So no, I was I was I was really satisfied with this show. It's very fun. Cool. Um let's see. Did I see anything else? Um nothing I need to make note of. Yeah, no, that's it. No, that's not a piece. Trademark. All right. Let's move on now. Let's get to let's get to our trailer talk. We talk about uh some of the newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of them would have you. So this past week, um, a little thing called the Super Bowl happened, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, where they debut numerous trailers. And so we figured we wanted to have a Super Bowl showdown for our trailer talk this week as we had a number of new films um, release uh, a, you know, a bunch of new trailers. And, and then we can determine which of which ones, which one do we think like stood out the strongest. And so just a, a quick recap of what, what took place here. We had a... We had the reveal of Deadpool and Wolverine getting the title for the first time. We knew it was mm-hmm. Deadpool 3 for the longest time. And it was going to be something with Deadpool and Wolverine, um, which, of course, is the third Deadpool movie. And he's bringing on, uh, spoilers, Wolverine. Oh, uh, that's, <laughs> that's about. We have Twisters. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, I I guess, legacy sequel <laughs> to Twist. Like it's, it's, Sounds about, that's the right it's a follow-up to Twister. Like, it's not a remake of it, but there's not mm-hmm. a, I don't know enough details about the plot to know, like, exactly, you know, somebody's somebody's son or daughter right, right. or whatever, but it's set in the same universe, I guess, the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features a number of people, including Glenn Powell, Daisy Edgar-Jones, Anthony Ramos, Maura Tierney, Brandon Perea from Nope, mm-hmm. uh, Kieran Shipka, um, Sasha Lane, just a bunch of people. And obviously, if we're like, oh, they're making a new Twisters movie, who should direct this? That's right. Lee Isaac Chung from Minari is the director on Twisters. So uh, we have that. Uh, we have Wicked Part One. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with uh, Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande. Uh, we have a new trailer for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes from director Wes Ball. Uh, we have the uh, A Quiet Place colon Day One. Uh, from the the director of Pig, starring Lupita Nyong'o, and uh, Despicable Me Four, of course, the Despicablest, something along those lines. Uh, so, a lot of trailers, a lot of a lot of excitement to be shared around. Luke, wh- what's the what's the one that excited you the most? Ah, uh, it's off. It's obvious. Deadpool and Wolverine. Um, love the Deadpool movies. I was very happy to see that trailer. <laughs> I thought there were some great lines in there. I'm glad that, you know, the, they make a point of they're mentioning pegging in a Disney movie. They have the, you know, the time variance authority sort of recognizing that Deadpool is an anomaly that exists outside of time, which I think is kind of a clever way to integrate him in the MCU. Um, so I'm interested to see how they'll do that. It, I, ironically enough, I once wrote a piece for Forbes magazine that was about how the next Deadpool movie should be Deadpool... Deadpool kills the Marvel universe should be adapted from that comic, but be Deadpool kills the Fox Marvel universe. And I had so many editors change the headline on me because they were like, I don't understand what you're saying here. Are you saying Fox should do a Marvel crossover movie? And I was like, no, I'm saying they should specifically adapt this one. Well, that's not clear. I don't understand what that means. And God, I had to massage the headline so much in that article that it became almost meaningless. I don't even remember what the final one was, but it looks like they're kind of doing that a little bit here. And I'm I'm there for it. Uh, I also like the, the Despicable Me 4 one just for its social commentary that you really don't want AI in the hands of idiots and that it did kind of, that it was kind of being thematic and 
doing what some trailers used to do, which is not feature any of the actual movie, but sort of have the characters do a different kind of joke just to promote it, which... That used to be Pixar's game for a long time. Yeah, Romancing the Stone was the first movie that I really remember doing that. Oh, and nice. uh, Jewel of the Nile. And I, I haven't seen that in a long time, and I thought both that and the commentary it was giving were pretty good. Okay. Well, how about you? Are you uh, which one? Which one of these got you excited the most? You know, I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen any of them, but it was also despicable me four, and I think it's a large part just because the other movies. I have a second runner-up pick. Uh, that's the only one I'll, I'll name it extra. But the other movies, I think that I kind of know what they're kind of about, um, and you kind of get a vibe for them. So. Uh, I do have thoughts about uh, Wicked if we're going to go there later, but my, my runner pick is uh, Twisters. Because I was like, I, I've i seen Twisters, Twister. I, I am familiar with this concept. It's actually just cool to see people become movie stars in front of your eyes. So you're, I'm thinking about Glenn Powell specifically, and just like, oh, this guy is just like all over the place. He has this charisma and charm now where I'm just like, I kind of want to see what this Texas Tornado dude is all about. Uh, and just how much stuff he's going to get into uh, in this movie. So, uh, just before, surprisingly, um, even though I haven't seen any of them. That uh, is surprising. Yeah. And Twisters, how about you? Uh, well, I don't like Despicable Me, so that doesn't I, do I anything heard, for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Um, although, I mean, new Pharrell songs, that, that's that's the win for me on the on those. Sure. So, if, so uh, presuming that he's still involved, I'm all for the soundtrack of this week before, but otherwise I'm like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say of of these, I don't disagree with you on Twisters. I um, I feel like the bar is low on that sure. as far as like what to get. It's like they made another Twister, all right? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like, I, I like Twister well enough, but it's not like, it's a sacred movie to me, and like, how dare they try to make another yeah. one? It's like, yeah, Twin Tornadoes. Okay, yeah, like cool. if Helen Hunt doesn't show up, you guys are all doomed. <laughs> yeah. if, if Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't scream "food" into the camera at one point, then I, I'm I'm not out. I'm not out. If they, right. they get a can't get a, a CG replication of, of, of his character. They're gonna find a VHS tape. That's what they're gonna do. Um, but but that's not the my pick. My pick is easily Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, like, yeah, granted, yeah. it's the second trailer for it. It's not like I haven't already seen what was coming let alone it's not like i'm not familiar with the apes franchise in general but i am a fan of it and honestly like i just really like this trailer like regardless of like knowing what to expect i just like this i think it's just a good trailer i was i was invested in what was taking place without feeling like i knew i learned too much about what the thing was and so i'm just like yeah give me give me all this uh i i it looks great um this uh the new ruler that they have that either an antagonist or whatever. He's giving me like Paya Khan vibes as far as this is going to be my favorite character of the year. Uh, that's like CG. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, I, I know we've been fans of West Ball as far as this guy just seems like a good director, regardless of how good those Maze Runner movies are. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he offers to this. So Yeah. It was a weird one where the TV spot was quite different from the extended one online. Like on the TV spot, they keep chanting, oh, what a happy day. Oh, what a happy day or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're using the Fury Road tagline, sort of. Why? And then I watched the one online. It doesn't have any of that in it, which is was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm also glad that 
Kingdom moved a couple weeks because it was originally going to come out the same week as Furiosa, and it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like these are both very similar as far as the landscape we're dealing with here. Yeah. Uh, and even like, yes, the kind of cultish nature of groups of people being domineered by you know certain people. So happy that there's some distance there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited for that one. Um, any any thoughts on 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 Wicked Abe? Or is, is there something when you were alluding to? It's just more that uh, I'm I'm kind of disappointed in how it looks. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that I, I, you know, we I think John Chu kind of announcing that it's going to be two parts, and I I I have no real stake and investment in Wicked. I've read the book, and it's very different from the from the musical and the stage adaptation. Um, but I think I was kind of not expecting it to look so heavily visual effects. Um, and I'm, I'm maybe it'll look different when I actually watch it. But yeah, it was kind of a disappointment, actually. I mean, I expected that as far as I mean, we talked about Oz the Great and Powerful, among other things. Like, if you're gonna, I was like 10 uh, years ago, yeah. So, uh, they wouldn't go with less special effects, <laughs> another Oz you. type yeah. movie. I, uh, but I would agree that it just doesn't. I mean, granted, it's coming out in November, it's not like it's finished in any sure. way, yeah, so yeah. it's necessarily look better by that time. Yeah. But yes, I my my reaction to it was not being familiar with Wicked. You know, beyond knowing like the basic idea, what I haven't seen the musical, I don't know the story exactly. Sure. But my, my main thought was, oh, so they're aliens? Like that's what I that's what I saw when I watched <laughs> when I watched the trailer. It's like, oh, that's that must be what it is because these don't look like people. That's for sure. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, as far as Quiet Place goes, I um. I I I appreciate that the scale is like the scope is quite big. It looks sure. like yeah. I by default though that does make it look more like you know other alien invasion movies we've seen before. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, I, I, LA, first episode ever. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like I, you know, the people, you know, the director of Pig, sure, Nyong'o in there, and Jaimon's back. Like, you know, there's good actors in this movie, so like right. we get over the best and. If there's not another scene of John Krasinski shaking his big nose into the camera, I, I'm you know I'm all fine. I'm all about that. So see how that goes. You're gonna get a lot of that, I'm sure. Just constant reminders. Yeah, just flashbacks. I hope we see uh, a since it's a prequel. I hope we see an origin scene of him writing. Um, sound. What, what's the, what's the yeah sound on the whiteboard? Yeah. <laughs> Again, John Krasinski, you're not fooling me. No, no weakness. It's weakness. What the weakness? Question mark. I believe right. writes on the chalkboard. <laughs> I want to see him fiercely cutting out these newspaper articles too. I hope that's the end credit sequence. It's just him writing everything on the chalkboard. <laughs> that's it. So I'm getting the names to lead up to the, the big movie. Okay. So Deadpool and Wolverine, Deadpool and Wolverine, by the way, I, I Luke, I, I, I also appreciate what's being seen so far. Sure. I, I'm not huge on the Deadpool movies, but I certainly, you know, I like seeing them. Like they, they, they amuse me. And I, they're certainly holding back on the Logan front, which I get, I guess, as far as like, we want to, tease it out but mm-hmm. but no, i'm looking forward to seeing how far they will go in the fox stuff since that seems to be a big deal for the like you, you can see a broken fox logo in the snow in one scene i'm like all right i yeah. I, I i'm curious about how far they're how many fox characters are they going to murder in this movie <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens i think the i think the early money from people who are seeing the trailer and sort of super analyzing it is that that's the void from the Loki TV series where they cast all the cold variants uh-huh. and that the entirety of the 20th century Fox cinematic Marvel universe is now cold variants. So they're 
all in the void. Mm -hmm. I think that may be the idea. So I hope that there's some fun stuff and like the, I think Ryan Reynolds knows how to lean on that. Yeah. And ideally, because I don't, I mean, I know Abe, we like real steel, but Sean Levy doing a Deadpool movie doesn't really inspire me all that much. So I mean, Sean Levy's like his past like five films have not really inspired me as much. So we'll we'll see what happens. (laughs) Well, he's, he's, He's basically attached to Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's just like a friendly Ryan Reynolds Cruise director now. now. Yeah. You know? So it's, I, you know, I like that, the, the time travel movie Project Adam or whatever it was. I like that one. On okay. Netflix. Yeah. I thought Free 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 Guy was fine. So yeah. Free Guy um, was fun too. I, I knew uh, I had fun with that one. So yeah, uh, it's interesting. It, I think, yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds generally has a fairly good sense of this. And I'm the guy who liked Green Lantern. So, you know, I think you'll probably oh, you're be him? okay for my taste. Yeah. <laughs> you guys but remember when me, they teased, uh, you know, the ending there? It would have been me cool. Me and the late Rossiter Drake, who was quoted on the Blu-ray. Uh, hey. Uh, <laughs> all right. Blu-rays, well, remember those? Okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> This is a jab at you, Best Buy. Literally just rearranged my, like, a, a big a section of my room <laughs> with all my Blu-rays. I do want to say on Twister, though, I mean, I oh, yeah. I, I often tell sort of tell people, you know, who complain about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, oh, cinema's all Marvel movies, whatever. I'm like, you're lucky. You know, the big blockbuster movies used to be freaking Twister, you know, and it's like, it's like Twister's back for revenge to say, okay, you're pissed off at Marvel Studios movies. Here's how bad it can be again. <laughs> and I know they're, you know, I, I'm i happy to see some movies from my youth that I champion the weird, weirdness of get a following, like, you know, the Van Damme Street Fighter or Super Mario Brothers, the movie. I'm down with their revivals, but... Mm-hmm. You can really miss me with Twister was good, actually. Uh, the flying cow in the trailer was good, and there's nothing in this trailer that's even that good for me. So that we know of yet, Luke. Maybe. Well, I said I said not in the cows. trailer. Uh, so. I'm going on like my curiosity was raised because of this trailer, as opposed to being like, I guess that's a thing. Kind of. Go, that's from, kind of from just the announcement of it. Yeah. That said, I mean, I was 10 when Twister came out, so like at the time, the coolest thing in that movie. Granted, that's the summer of Independence Day, so I don't, I didn't fucking care about Twister. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But um, the coolest thing in Twister to me back in the day was when the Twister comes in the drive-through, the drive-in, and um, and it's, and the Shining's playing, and so like the, the tornado's <laughs> ripping up the screen as Jack Nicholson's hammering through the door. So I'm like, well, that's cool. Like I like I like what we're doing here. Uh, but but the, the movies the, they love each other. Yeah, I, you know I was into that, but yeah. I mean Twister. Yeah, I'm not. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, well, Deadpool and Wolverine arrives in theaters July 26th. Twisters opens July 19th. Wicked Part 1 opens November 27th. Mm-hmm. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes opens May 10th. A Quiet Place Day 1 opens June 28th. And Despicable Me 4 opens July 3rd. So there, we did it. We covered all of those. Hit it. Uh, we'll hit it indeed, because that's what we're going to do now. We're going to get to our main review for, or first of our two main reviews for Bob Marley, colon, One Love. On December 3rd, 1976, would be assassins invaded Bob Marley's home and attempted to take the life of the singer, his wife, and Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that thing. That every little thing gonna be alright. You like that one? Yeah. There's a war going on. Oh, I can't bring peace. I can't even get peace for myself. Rise up this morning. Smile with the rising sun Three little birds Bitch by my door 
sometimes the messenger has to become the message. Bob, I know it's dangerous. But you're the only one who can unite the people. You're ready, Bob. No guns can stop this message. I want the world to change. And that time is no. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Bob Marley, One Love. The legacy of Bob Marley is an interesting one, as the man was a famed musician and an advocate for peace and unity, while also admiring revolutionaries, having specific political ideals, and infusing his Rastafarian spirituality into his everyday life. Naturally, as a part of pop culture, only so many of these things remain evident in the eyes of many, but at least the music is still widely praised. Bob Marley, One Love, sets its focus on Marley in the mid-70s, where he is hoping to promote a peace between warring factions in Jamaica through his concerts, only to survive an assassination attempt, leading him to move to London and eventually record Exodus. We also get some flashbacks and other notable beats of Marley's ultimately short life. Luke, are you a, do you consider yourself like a Marley fan in general? And what do you think of this movie? Well... Uh, do I consider myself a fan in general? I'll say not actively. Um, you know, when I was younger and I was first exposed to music, I thought this is great. But it's one of those things that because it's been liked by so many douches I've encountered in my <laughs> life, uh, it's not something I listen to as much. It's, it was always like, you know, during the 90s, which was a very exciting time for music, you'd be at these parties and people would be playing the stuff that was new and interesting. And some like brat boy would always be like, dude, play Marley. And it's like, yeah, I really want to put in No Woman, No Cry for the five billionth time rather than hear something new. Um, and nothing gets not, a party moving more than No Woman, No Cry. <laughs> yeah, like it's not a diss on the music, but I'm not I'm not an active fan in that sense, just because it's it's one of those things like the Beatles that is omnipresent and acknowledged as good. So I don't feel the need to seek it out. Um, but I my immediate reaction to the movie, I turned to the guy next to me who was a friend of mine and I said, uh, I'm glad they've made this one because now they can make interesting ones next time. Like mm -hmm. they made the basic one that needed to be made first. And that's this one. And I think it does help on a base level to reclaim um, the true spirit and ideals of the music from the douchey frat boys who just want to get high to it, who are the people I've encountered in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that way, I think it does what it needs to do. It, kind of needs to be very basic uh but there are more interesting stories to be made now that we've got that out of the way i think kingsley benadir is a great actor overall very versatile in this lashana lynch based on the end credits was doing a lot of her own singing which is pretty impressive um so i think my reaction is sort of the normal one the common one to this movie which is that it's okay it's good enough it's kind of by the numbers Okay, good enough. Abe, what did you do? Are you a Marley guy? And did what do you like this? I, I only really know of a few songs, so I guess I can't really consider myself a Marley fan. Um, and obviously, I, I I think I've encountered those same people that Lucas encountered, uh, different people, but you know, same kind of uh, background. Uh, all that to say is that Bob Marley. I know that we talked about this trailer a while ago, and I was just like, I hope that it's a slice of life type movie. And it kind of is, uh, but at the same time, I think it's actually just, it's fine. Uh, it actually does fall into some of the pitfalls that 
you would get with um not so much like this isn't necessarily like a wikipedia type movie which i'm thankful for there's like a lot of like uh pretty interesting illusion and pretty interesting sort of like uh creative freedom that they put into this that those others paint by number ones just really lack any sort of interesting uh thoughtful element to um so this one at least has some of that unfortunately there is still a lot of just un un complex unnuanced type of character study in this and while they are trying to go for well you know he, he's trying to put on this peace concert to really start uh really get these two uh factions within his home country together it's uh not really ultimately too political either right so it's um it doesn't really fall into one camp uh in, in any sort of way so I thought it was good. It wasn't great, and it wasn't bad. Um, but it it certainly could have been more interesting because we'll get into more of the tropes later. But you know, you certainly run into tropes of like, "Hey, let's write a song." Great, I just wrote a hit right now. You know what I mean? Um, and that's not my favorite thing to see. Um, or you sort you sort of like get into the whole entire like, well. Uh, we used to be about one thing, man, and that was about the music, and then you made it about the money. It's like. Uh, this character development is cool, uh, and character progressions are cool for uh, all these other side characters. But when you don't really have a large focus, it's not my favorite. Um, there are strong performances. I think Kingsley Bender is good, but Lashana Lynch is like amazing in this movie. Um, and yeah, I I do wish that it it was maybe a little bit stronger. But I'm glad that it wasn't just a uh point A to point B, even though it does fall into that with some of the back uh with some of like the um uh back uh, flashbacks so yeah that's my that's a quick synopsis on bob marley one love i uh i am a marley fan i wouldn't say like yeah i would say i'm an active marley fan but i i very much enjoy uh marley's music i've mm-hmm. listened legend is probably one of the albums i've listened to most in my life honestly i guess it's a very easy thing to put on and um simmer down is one of my favorite marley songs and it's in cool running so by default i've heard it many many times sure um, but I really like that song, and I was happy that I was in this movie, even though there's an exclusion of a number of songs I didn't think would not would uh, not be included in this film. Um, the film itself, I it's the kind of thing where I don't really think it's a good movie, but I'm not upset about people liking it. If you know what I mean, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, I feel like compared to something like Bohemian Rhapsody, which is bad yeah. <laughs> for a variety of reasons. I feel like this one has a better idea of how to approach Bob Marley. It just doesn't arrive at anything too specific. Instead, mm-hmm. going for the peace and unity thing, which is more of that kind of pop culture reverence that people have for Bob Marley, as opposed to exploring more of what it mean, meant for him to be Rastafarian right. and, later, and later convert, um, which they don't talk about at all, um, and what it, what it was for him to, like, you know, be in the political scene and the kinds of things he was actually looking into there, whether, whether it's like legalization of marijuana or, you know, the, the sides he was on when it came to the politics of it all in this movie, it, 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 it was so funny to me where it's like, he's here to unite these two groups and we never get, we never hear word of what those two groups are. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. It's like, yep. it feels like that's very specific information that the movie could easily provide us with. and It's choosing not to. Um, so it's like from a story perspective, it feels, it feels like there's 
not a there's not much of a cinematic arc to Bob Marley compared to others, and but it also doesn't like manufacture one in the same way Bohemian Rhapsody does, where it's like let's take things from time and warp them <laughs> so they can fit into a narrative structure. This movie doesn't go that route. It's more of like a character film with a lot of vibes because it's Marley, and you can mm-hmm. get away with that with the music, and that's that's why I don't. There's no displeasure for me and people enjoying that because hey, you get to hear Bob Marley songs on a you know in the big screen and they shot in Jamaica. It looks rather nice. They shot in London. It looks rather nice. I do think Kingsley Benadire is quite good here, more in the quieter moments and the things that I think his stage presence, much like any musician, he can't match it because he's an actor and not the actual musician. Mm-hmm. So it's like same with like Chadwick Boseman as James Brown, which I I like that movie more. But it's like you can't just be James Brown. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very specific persona that has, you know, the world was captured by this man and what he was doing. Right. Bob Marley has a pretty specific presence on stage that I don't think Kingsley Benadire quite captures. But I get what he's going for. But hey, I agree with you. Lashana Lynch, I think, is very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, given that she has not much to do beyond be the wife, I think the she and the film script do enough to like give that more life than you usually get when it comes to that kind of a role. Mm-hmm. So it feels less thankless, um, which I appreciated. And I mean, it's, it's easy going enough. And I think what's it? A Ronaldo Marcus screen, the director who did King Richard, there's some motifs here and there, like the, the flaming fields that we kind of right, keep seeing. Right. Like there's stuff like that, where it's like, I like that it has ideas. It just doesn't right. like go very deep with any of them, yep. which is why I don't really think it's a, you know, it's not, it's barely good. Like I gave it like a five out of 10. It's like right in the yeah. middle. But it's like, hey, it's not doing much. And the whole thing, um, Kevin McDonald, the, the director, he made a documentary called Marley in 2012 that is excellent. It's two and a half hours. It covers every aspect of Marley's life and the impact it had, like his legacy for people that you know like and respect Marley. That thing's excellent. So it's like this movie that's you know, a very basic understanding of who he is. It's fine for like if you want to go to a movie theater and hear reggae music and have an idea of Bob Marley, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not doing much, so like ultimately, yeah. it's not much for me to recommend beyond. Oh, you'll fe- you won't feel bad when you walk out of it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I certainly hear that, Frank, because I there was uh you know it was a packed theater that I went to, uh and it was great that it was packed. It was uh, it's got a an A cinema location. score. I mean, it's clearly liked. So. Yeah, and you know. I heard the people behind me as they were as the movie was wrapping up and it was ending um, singing. This young woman was asking her friend, hey, what would you think of the movie? And her friend said, I loved it. And so I agree with Aaron's like, you know, this is going to be really hitting a lot of things for a lot of uh, people that might not watch a ton of movies like the three of us here tonight. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crowd pleasing. Um, and if you want to hear his greatest hits, then it's on there. And including uh, maybe some uh, not so greatest hits, but are just like very pleasing songs, right? Um, but yes, it's crowd, yeah, it's crowd pleasing without like feeling insulting <laughs> to me. That's that's where <laughs> yes. I, that's why I can yeah be exactly like a it, bigger pass than certain other movies. Yeah, there is like some craft and some care in here, and you know, you talk about the, the Ring of Fire thing. Like again, there's like the really cool illusion stuff, and uh, I just I, I also wish that you and I are like very aligned in how we're both reviewing this movie essentially. Because mm. I'm trying to find like a text that I sent to my friend uh, when I watched this, um, and it was just basically like it's not great, it's kind of like um, not good or something like that. But um, in any case, yeah, Luke, I'm curious your thoughts on 
I guess the political leanings of things, because Aaron and I, 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 I would have liked to hear more, you know, Jamaican political thoughts, uh, and well, sort of I mean, why they were kind of at war. But uh, I, I've, I have admittedly, I because I didn't have to write about this, I didn't do my homework about what the actual situation is. My mm -hmm. impression watching it is that there was a situation on the ground with rival gangs, and then. I think one of the best gags in the movie is like the leader of Jamaica, the leaders of Jamaica's parties are getting together. It's these two old white guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it just, it just had me thinking, you know, there's no equivalent today. Can you imagine, you know, any artist like post Malone or whatever, trying to get <laughs> Trump and Biden to get together on the stage to hold hands. You couldn't do it. I mean, I'd certainly be amused by the idea of Post Malone, like, like putting, getting onto Instagram Live, being like, "Guys, I have an idea. See if I can pull this one off." <laughs> Please, no, I, 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 I didn't get much of a sense other than I thought what the two old white guys were disagreeing with was probably very different from what the people who were trying to shoot Bob Marley were disagreeing about. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, well, there's like, there's, I mean. If you want to get in, there's there's implications of the CIA's involvement and stuff sure, like yeah, and exactly. what America's doing. But like there's right. there's stuff where I I understand that a a movie that's for one thing approved by the Marley family. Yes. Um, Did you guys get the message from Ziggy at the beginning? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No. Well, I, Ziggy I just says that he he's really proud of it, but he was also there on set to help guide it. And that kind of made me little nervous but i think i mean it's less shaky than bohemian rhapsody where oh, all of the band members uh never partied except for um freddie uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it makes marley look kind of like a saint and a christ-like figure except for the one time that he beats the crap out of his manager and he's going to kill him with a metal folding <laughs> chair like it's pro wrestling i was like i was i was going for it i was like do it uh, the thing is though from everything i understand about marley just based on documentaries and reading up on him it's like it kind of seems like this is who he was. Like I don't really I don't know if there's much like discretion uh, um, of a of a of a of a separation between like the the, the this fictionalized version of him and how he actually kind of acted. Like it seems like it's yeah. just that's why it's not really cinematically as interesting as others that have like you know the rise and fall, big drug problem, all that stuff. There's like that didn't really happen with Marley. Like he, he did yeah. his thing. He got he nearly killed. He has cancer. And then he's right. sadly gone pretty early yeah. on. Like it's pretty, like, there's not young. There's not like a, you know, there's not an arc that it can focus in on in the same way that like Elton John uh, has one that they went for in that movie or whatever. Yeah. Rocket man. yeah. Um, but, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but what I was saying though, about the political stuff and everything, like I get that this is, you know, it's a paramount movie that's designed to make audiences feel a certain way. It's not going to, you know, sidetrack to be like also, you know, possibly there's conspiracy involving trying no, to no, not, not all that. Yeah. Obviously, like that would be like, you know, an Oliver Stone type movie. Um, but I think I'm I'm I mean, having be... a basic understanding, I agree. That would yeah, yeah. be nice. <laughs> no, and, and I think it's just more of, you know, you have ideas of identity in this movie. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay. And so how does Bob Marley feel about being half white and half Jamaican? And then how does he feel about his country? Like he he is kind of like, you know, he kind of makes it for himself. He, he kind of says that, oh, they call him yellow boy at times. Um, and just you have that visualization of him like in that field with the flames all the time, this writer. Um, and later it kind of just comes full circle of just like it's acceptance kind of thing. Right. And and I'm curious around all that. Right. Even the stuff where he goes to see the Rastafari. And they like have like um like a session like a basically a, a smoking session. It kind of was like really get into like you know alter alternate moods, but also basically like that's how they can 
feel like they're they're one with the earth kind of thing. Like I would have been interested in all that stuff and how it really yeah. really culminates into this is why he feels so necessary to uh compelled to really do this. And again, this is all stuff that I think that you've addressed about saying like there's great documentaries around Bob Marley, you know what I mean? I'm um, telling you, I think Mar Marley is a really good doc. It is yeah. one I absolutely recommend. It's on Canopy. You can easily yeah, watch yeah. it. Yeah. Like <laughs> totally. But, uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, that's why I think that it's better than most. I found the text. It, it reads, uh, Bob Marley movie. Not great, not awful, but not good either. Question mark, question mark. <laughs> um, so that's that's what I wrote like immediately after to my friends. I thought there was just about a Berkeley slang that you're embarrassed to tell us or something. No. Like, <laughs> but um, that's why I think that it is better. It's more elevated than like something like All Eyes on Me, which is an awful movie, um, mm -hmm. or Bohemian Rhapsody, which is an awful movie. But it's just not as good as like some ones who are like super dedicated to like, you know, again, a sliver of time in which they're like super great. Like the thing that I'm also worried about, and this is not to get too sidetracked, but the the back to black trailer played before this movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no. Um, so, yeah. Um, That's another one. Where, like the doc is so good about doc Amy is Winehouse incredible. where it's like, like, like what's the I, point of this? <laughs> yeah. That doc from the creators of Senna, I forget his name is incredible like you should go see that documentary and you'd just be like you would never need to see this movie because um they're never going to get to any of the dark stuff that uh that, that i mean it, it would naturally have to just based on who she is and what sure. inevitably happens to her but i i hear i you know i'd be happy to be pleasantly surprised by that movie being more than decent yeah uh, but i but yes it will it will have to sand things down to a degree in a way that will be like this. <laughs> like yeah. if, if it wants to like appeal in a certain, it's unfortunate yeah. that that's kind of a pattern for, right. Yeah. But for, I mean, there are strong ones too, like, like straight out of Compton, obviously sands down aspects, but it's also very enjoyable. Like it, that movie works for whatever reason. It does. And I think that that is also, again, one that takes chances in the way that it's, this movie is actually shot by Robert Ellsworth, right? Yeah. It's so, a really well so, shot yeah, movie. It's, it's, got, it's got really, again, there's a very artistic <laughs> things that are happening in this movie. And I think straight out of Compton, uh, you know, as, as easy as they're writing, like fuck the police kind of thing. Um, it, it is entertaining and it moves. Right. Uh, and this movie kind of, it's only an hour and 40 some odd minutes. It does feel long at times, but I think that's just because they, they kind of wanted to pack in a whole bunch of stuff and just artistically couldn't like really edit it out uh, in a way that, that made pacing sense. Cause you know, I don't know how you guys felt about like the whole entire London thing, but it's like, why is he here? How long he's here for like three months? And like, uh, you know, how's it going kind of thing. And then they go to Paris kind of thing. So like from a, from a uh, just like straight timeline perspective, it would be again as you draw, uh, as he moves away and, and goes away from it. What's his draw back? And that's that's very. We'll, we'll get to some fun timeline conversations in the next movie. But this oh, one, no. I mean, I, yeah, the the London stuff is it's. It, I mean, he literally, you know, you shot at him, so he had to move. Like it's. No, it, I hear it, you. Yeah, yeah. And it, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Though it, it does have a. It's it comes down, I think, again to the fact that there's not like a traditional arc for Marley to follow. Yeah, cinematically. So it's like, I guess we got to this is what happens. We got to lump all this stuff in here. And right. where's that going to go? Like even the movie itself, it's like it doesn't really end in a definitive way beyond he had another concert and then he eventually died. I mean, there's not, like a, there's not, yeah, a, there's I, not a grand triumph of moments that he I has. I actually want to ask you guys about that because um, there are like on screen post credit uh, sentences. Mm -hmm. And I was curious what you guys thought about them starting out with like he died. But in 1978 he had this concert you know and like it starts out like 1981 he passed away at 36 and then it goes into like more historical things and and not it's kind of like out of out of uh sequential at that point too but i'm curious what you guys thought yeah luke did you did you appreciate the way it kind of wraps up the marley story 
I I felt like that text at the beginning was probably test focused. Like they probably had test audiences who were confused. Um, you know, there are some some film bloggers out there with who have been accused of being hard of hearing and don't accept it and have said that the movie is meant to be deliberately incomprehensible, like a silent movie. I was like, no, they're you pay attention, they're perfectly comprehensible. But <laughs> I can imagine a test audience being thrown into that press conference at the beginning and not necessarily understanding it just because I've worked at a movie theater and I've had people come out and say, I can't understand what they're saying. I want my money back. And this is like, you know, for a movie set in Ireland or something. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I've got a feeling that's there so that people who don't have as good an ear as we do um, aren't disoriented at the beginning. I think that's probably all that is. I did like the choice um, <laughs> that that they have these people with Jamaican accents and they refuse to do any subtitle work for 100%. it. hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, you just listen. Yeah. You just have <laughs> yeah. to hear them. If yeah. you don't get it, you don't get it. Hashtag boom clap. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i actually did that part too um, i do i i do want to call out the use the use of like the yellow filter to show that this is a hot third world country yep, we got, got the got the old yellow filter like a, on as, like because a backlash, as, as a guy who, as basically. a guy who lives in the desert you know if you want to show it's hot have the brightest bluest skies possible because that's what <laughs> it looks like when the highest temperatures are out i tell yeah. you it Especially because it you know goes to London eventually. It's like oh now it's all cool. Um, I, it, like I hear you, Luke, because I I am a stickler for that. I look that that immediately like rubs me wrong. I feel like they, they Jamaica still looked nice for the most part. So I was like, all right, like you're getting yeah. away with it a little bit. But yes, I definitely noticed they popped on that filter a little bit in the movie in certain sure. spots. Yeah. Um, I did want to say, Abe, you mentioned the flashbacks and whatnot, and how that kind of. The way the movie's structured, like yes, it's not a Wikipedia movie necessarily, but it yeah. kind of be it like has elements of that. I will say the flashbacks, despite it being like, and this is how they got together, and this is when they had their first. I think the actors playing young Marley and young Rita are great in yeah, this movie, especially young Marley. Like if they he made looks a movie more that, like him too, he does. He, does, he really yeah. does. And if they made a movie that was just about young Marley. I, that might be a better movie, honestly. Yeah. Like I, re- I really like that performance specifically, and and it felt like that was tapping into the things that you know I'd want to know more about as far as who Bob Marley. Yeah, is. sure. Yeah, and you know another cool thing about the flashback sequences is that it's it's actually more hyper focused on those two specifically. Yes, it is. So so I, I actually really appreciate that too. Yes, you get like here and there, like you know he meet, he creates the whalers and whatever else too. But it's actually um, really nice that it's the first one that you get is him singing no woman no cry or writing it and he uh he meets he meets rita you know what i mean and it's it's it continues that way um so it just doesn't really uh i don't know if it doesn't necessarily go deep enough but i i wish that it was handled in a way that was like not more interesting but again more artistically creative so who knows like i say i think now that they've made the basic one that it opens the floodgates for a lot of more interesting ones. To Aaron come and out. I are going to be signing up to direct it. We're going to, we're going to throw in our hat. I, agree. Right. I mean, because like there's, it's neat to, when you see biopics do stuff that are, you know, interesting like that, like say, whether it's love or mercy yes. or the, the Bob yeah. Dylan thing, or honestly like that movie, was it nowhere boy where it's, um, it's the uh, Spider-Man air, Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield oh. as, as, or not, Andrew, sorry, Aaron Taylor Johnson, wrong kick ass, oh. it's kick ass. Yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson as young Lennon. 
and it's just him as a as a you know a boy as a teenager mm-hmm. before because like there's some cool ideas you can do with this stuff and i just like need, i want i just want more biopics to embrace those ideas and it just yeah. it's and I think that, you know, we touched upon it when we just sort of talked about the Amy Winehouse thing, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about more in depth at another time. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly has to hit all of the beats that everybody knows in a pop culture aspect. You know what I mean? Because we're aware of her rise to fame. We're aware of her drug addiction, drug use. We're aware of her marriage to uh, all the people that might have been using her. And then we're aware of her, her demise and her her death, right? It, it comes down to... You know how big is the studio and how much money are we giving to it? And this yeah. is a seventy. The, this movie, Bob Marley, is a seventy million dollar Paramount film. So yes, that means right. it's going to water and water it down. Exactly. Where if you get something like, I don't know, that Jimi Hendrix movie um, with Andre Benjamin, yeah, yeah, oh, and and it has none of Hendrix's songs because they can't afford it, but it still has a very specific perspective on how to portray him. Right. Uh, I don't think the movie is great by any means, but I do think it. It's at least trying for something based yeah. on limitations. Even something like Selma, it's not music, but Selma, where they can't afford, they can't, they literally can't use Martin Luther King's speeches. speeches yeah. So they have to like find another way to do. Like there's, totally. there's, you know, I being, back just, to, being back into a wall is not the worst thing when it comes to getting certain kinds of results. Yeah, I hear you. And again, like when you were talking about maybe smaller studios, I thought of Priscilla. You know, it just came out this yeah. past year, where it's not exactly about Elvis, but it certainly gives you a glimpse and a. Uh, a a director's take yeah on this person and and then uh their music and kind of how they were um even though it's specifically focused on priscilla so yes i i agree with you that they can there can be inspiration found in smaller movies or smaller budgeted movies but um yeah you know these people got to make money for their studios and so uh it's going to be hitting a lot of different beats and bob marley it's again not not great, not not uh, super good, but not awful um, either. And it's like, I mean, it's February, it's Black History Month. It's a big budget, relatively, for a music biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, biopic about Bob Marley from a black director. Like, I can't be mad at it not doing, <laughs> like, it, it, it's doing the bare minimum in a way that I can admire enough because I happy audiences are leaving with something. And so mm-hmm. it's like, uh, like it's, sure. it's not, it's not like entirely warping history to get across its points. And it's also not doing the, <laughs> it's not entirely a Wikipedia thing either. So it's like, right. I have to, I'm giving some credit, but like, I still don't think it's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we have another thing to do. So we do. When should, when should people go and see Bob Marley? One love Luke. When should people see this movie? Um, Whenever it it really, I think, is proportional to your particular interest in Bob Marley. I think I don't think I'd lose anything by seeing it on cable later instead of in the theater as I did. But I think if you have a particular interest and enthusiasm for him, you should probably catch it in the theater. Fair enough. Abe? Yeah, this is a streaming movie. I mean, if you want to check it out at a matinee or dollar theater for the movie theater sound that's fine uh but ultimately you're not really missing a whole lot from the story front i i will say this movie i said 70 million dollar budget it's already made 75 worldwide it Great. was the big winner of the weekend it made like 47 or something like it opened on wednesday and it's already made like 46 in america alone like it's it's doing well <laughs> and you know good on them i suppose but i would say yeah you can wait you can once you get your gear to climb mount paramount uh paramount mountain uh, with mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart and whoever else, uh, you, then you can watch it. Watch it on Paramount Plus. Sure. That's what I was. Um, all right, 
Let's move on now. Let's get to the next film that we're going to review this week, which is, of course, Madam Web. A week ago, I spent my life racing against time. I'm going to help you out today, okay? Trying to save people who were running out of it. Until one moment changed everything. Welcome back to the land of the living. I don't understand what's happening. I've been having visions. I knew he was gonna die. I think I'm seeing the future. New York City is a whole new level of crazy these days. What do you want from me? New York City is a whole new level of crazy these days. This is an emergency. Get off the train. That man's trying to kill you. What? Who are you? What is going on? I can see the future. Oh, what the hell? She didn't see that coming? That's <laughs> not how it works. I've seen that man before. So who is he? Ezekiel Sims. He was in the Amazon with my mom when she was researching spiders right before she died. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Madam Web. While one can't deny the success of the Venom films at the box office, Sony's attempt to build a Spider-Man universe not actually featuring Spider-Man has been curiously flawed, if we're being generous. While Tom Hardy has certainly received his praise, that first film, aspects of the second, and the worst Batman, Jared Leto, as Morbius, haven't exactly garnered serious praise. Now we have Madam Web, a character comic geeks and cartoon fans largely recognize as an old blind woman in a cool chair. Well, this... 2003 set street level superhero flick has her portrayed by Dakota Johnson, a paramedic with as playing a paramedic with ties to a dangerous spider research mission from the past. Uh, the sudden arrival of her clairvoyant powers means that she'll have to become the guardian of three teenage girls who are being sought by Ezekiel Sims, the man who killed Cassie Webb's mother. Will her great powers be enough to connect all the webs that keep these girls safe or something along those lines? Luke, are you uh, how familiar are you with with Madame Web as a as a comic book character? And what do you think of this movie? Uh, I'm not super familiar. I know pretty much what you said from the descriptions. She's an old woman in a chair, and she's called Madame Web because she has all those tubes coming out of her like a spider's web. And uh, <laughs> I learned a couple of things I think from the end of this movie about her that uh, make no sense in the context of the film. <laughs> Uh, I thought the I think it's amazing how the marketing department seems to know more what the audiences want than anyone in the executive department, because <laughs> I was actually kind of excited to see this movie because I thought, you know, three attractive young girls in spider suits, you know, flipping around, you know, sexy super heroines. I'm down for that. And I oops, I also kind of have this sinking feeling that they're only going to be in those costumes in one scene, which is pretty close to accurate. And that's the movie I want to see. Uh, I I don't need to see the origin story of Madame Web. And it's. I think we can say that there's another origin story in this, that it's like they yep. said it in two, they said it in 2003 just for that reason. And they call it's not a spoiler that about 10 minutes in the movie, she's like, hi, Ben Parker, my partner. Uh -huh. um, so um, but it's like and he has to go to his like, sister's baby shower at some point. So. The math doesn't add up unless Tom Holland is supposed to be like 14 when we first meet him in the MCU. It doesn't match with any previous Peter Parker 
origin story that we've seen in anything. Yeah, but multiverse, Luke. So period. Well, I I know, but it's like <laughs> you're gonna, you're going to give us another one after we already have three that are still active, plus. <laughs> Uh, Peter B. Parker in the Spider-Verse movies and whoever the Peter Parker was that died in the first Spider-Verse. Yeah, Chris Again, Pine. Again, so... the math doesn't work out for it to be them either. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I liked the three Spider-Girls and I wanted to see them do their movie, which it this isn't even an origin of because they don't even get powers by the end of it. And I don't think it's unfair to spoil something that doesn't happen, so... I think it's okay to say that. I like their chemistry. I like their interplay. Um, but the movie's not about them. Uh, the marketing people smartly realized that that was the angle to sell. And it's not going to fool enough people to make this movie make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Abe, are you a secretly a Madam Web devotee? Do you have all the comics uh, featuring her character? Or what do you think of this movie? I, I have a, a huge poster. It's a five foot by six foot poster of her just hanging up on my wall. One of those classic right five by six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The really off, the really off size one. It's more of a square ish than, <laughs> than it is like a, an actual poster. I don't know why I went with those dimensions, <laughs> but um, it's three feet by six feet, Aaron. There you go. Like there's five by seven or four by six. <laughs> and you went, by, you know, five by six. One of those. Yeah, I just, I really wanted it cropped. <laughs> um, I'm really just familiar with Madame Web through the animated Spider-Man series from the Uh 90s where she kind of comes in for like a few story arc where you're just like, I don't know what's going on here. She's she's making Peter's life crazy. Um, And, you know, she's like saying stuff from beyond the timeline or with something. Um, As far as this movie goes. It, it's a bad movie. It's a. It, I think I wrote it's aggressively bad in <laughs> my friends, um, and I I don't mean that just like a straight statement of like oh it's just bad because it's aggressively bad. It's aggressively bad in its editing, its writing, its acting, its directing. You know, like this is the first time director she's done a lot of TV. I feel kind of bad that this is the project that Sony gave to her, uh, S. J. Clarkson, but it's also written by like Matt. Uh, Sazama, Burke, Sharpless, and Claire Parker. Aggressively terrible writing. Like, I don't know if they actually were were thinking when they wrote this and and just just to be clear real quick matt sazama and burke sharpless they've they're writing partners they've written dracula untold the last witch hunter gods in egypt and morbius thank you yeah uh, uh the but morbius also part. sj sj clarkson is one of the writing credits on this and a producer credit so yeah she i think she got like a story by credit and writing credit too she yeah. can't entirely claim in this oh the producers and the story were things i were ha- i was yeah. handed and i had to make the best of her hands are in all of it her hands are in all the buckets yeah and it's kind of unfortunate because uh i i i think I, i'm not mad like you know what i mean like it's no, it I'm just disappointed <laughs> i i don't know if i'm disappointed i think i had like largely like i kind of knew what i was going to sign up for and i think as it started playing out i was just like i can't believe i'm watching this um because i we've all heard all three of us you know and a lot of people have been hearing about like Warner Brothers shelving this Coyote movie, you know what I mean? Or or deleting Batgirl. Batgirl, you know what I mean? And how does this shit get made? Like, I, I was actually thinking about that. I was watching this, I was like, I don't know how this movie gets made. And this is I not like- I think they have to movie. make these to hold on to the rights. That's right, yeah, the they, reason, they, yeah. They, they basically just do. That's why they had to do like all those um Tom Holland stuff and The Amazing Spider-Man with um Andrew Garfield. But all this to say is that it's a bad movie. Like, I think it's bad on many fronts. Uh, I think it's also just bad because from a plot standpoint, it doesn't really pick one lane that it wants to go to. 
Like it has elements of like a Terminator type movie, you know what I mean? Or it has elements of like a, a rom-com or not rom-com, but like a coming of age type story movie. Or it has elements of like, um, like what Lucas is alluding to, like a really strong, like three future character movie. So let's learn about them and have them be friends kind of thing. But it doesn't really pick one and doesn't really do anything. It also doesn't explain a lot of villain aspects. And I'm not talking about like origins, more just what is this person's abilities? <laughs> because I don't know how this person gets defeated in the way that they get defeated. Um, if they might have super strength uh, or whatever the case might be. But um, yeah, it, it's just unfortunate <laughs> that movies like this will get put out and they'll they'll make whatever little money they make they can make and studios kind of just get away with it too so it's just been incredible to see the dakota johnson press tour um and how she's just been going throwing curveballs and and doing some cool stuff with her press tour uh while also like kind of like dismissing this movie to some degree uh so yeah I, i'm not mad i'm not disappointed it's just like it's just a bad movie i would never tell anybody to go watch <laughs> I uh, my familiarity with Madam Web is uh, I know the comics, but I also know the cartoon series. And with the cartoon, she often fun she functions like Bishop does in the X Men universe. As oh, far okay. as I'm just annoyed by these characters because they're here to talk about the doom and gloom of the future if they don't do certain things, and they just like distract me from stuff I want to see more. Uh, for whatever reason, I like time travel in movies, but in TV shows, I'm like, come on, <laughs> just get on with this. <laughs> um, so. I recall when we talked about this trailer, I did say like the the prospect of what this character represents is at least interesting. The idea of a character that can foresee the future and doesn't rely, you know, it's not like a strength character. It's just like a, I can do, I, it's dead zone. You know, I can, sure. I see this coming. Therefore, let's see where else we can go. It's dead zone mixed with Terminator, which is like, that's, there's an idea there that's actually pretty neat. But I, Abe, I'm entirely with you. This movie is terrible. So like this movie, it's, it does all the wrong things for how to make this exciting, uh, including not being exciting. It's a very boring movie. That's the other thing. It's not campy fun. It's just like a slog to get through at nearly two hours. Um, the 2003 setting was very curious to me because of soundtrack choices, the general look of the film and other things that made me think, was this always 2003? I'm not too sure about this. Um, right. The basic issues like Tahar Rahim's very obvious ADR was like, what happened here? <laughs> like what is what what COVID restriction presented prevented somebody from like flying somewhere to get a better take of how we're supposed to hear this character because it sticks out like a sore thumb. Um I don't know why Mike Epps is here not being funny because I like Mike Epps and I was annoyed that he wasn't being funny. Um I, I I've seen a lot of reviews and people like trying to like talk out Dakota Johnson's performance in here, which seems more like a they really like Dakota Johnson. So like therefore sure. they they want to like give her credit for this performance. It's like you could just call a bad performance bad. Like she's sleepwalking through this movie. It's very obvious. Like there's no the there's no there's nothing here that needs to be praised or it's like, oh she's subverting the expectations. Like it's just bad. It's just this is this feels like a movie that someone signed up for because they needed to uh, because, you know, worldwide cred and whatnot, and it opens other doors and they don't care uh, much like the writers don't seem to care about this much. Like you know, I can admire the idea that people got together and made a movie because making movies isn't easy, but when the passion's not there, it very much shows. And this is very much, you know, there's a difference between something like guardians of the galaxy three where James Gunn's putting his heart and soul in it versus a movie like this. That feels like a generic check mark on Sony's list of, 
villain movies we have to make so we can keep building towards that Sinister Six movie that Kevin Feige is going to definitely let us make. Um, <laughs> there's I, a big difference. There's a big difference between this and Tom Hardy very definitely being in on yeah, the joke you can, for Venom. I don't mm-hmm. think Dakota Johnson's really as in on the joke as some people might think. Here. I, I entirely agree. Yeah. Like, I don't like the Venom movies, but I admire that Tom Hardy is 100% giving it his all. Right. This, I don't see that from anybody. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's not like embarrassingly bad. It's just like really generic and has very little to offer. Um, it's not particularly like well staged. A lot of this movie is weirdly set in cars, which is like a, <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I I didn't get much out of the the three girls that are you know hanging around in this thing. Like they're sure. fine together, I guess. But I can't say that it was like I I hope that we get another movie someday with all. It's like eh, whatever. Like yeah. there's just not much here. Like it's just it's just kind of a nothing burger of a movie. Which is like all right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things I thought about that were certainly funny. Like Dakota. <laughs> Cass, Cassie Webb is a terrible hero. Like the idea is that she needs to protect these three girls because this guy is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. But she's also like, "You stay here. I'm going to go to Peru for a week." At one point, this movie, yeah. I'm oh, like, what's a happening? A week. Yeah, a week. a week. A week. If long as you just stay in this room, you'll be yeah. you'll be fine from the murder guy that has right. like infinite technology and is coming after you. Just stay right. in the room. You'll be fine. I'm gonna. I got to jet out to Peru for a bit. Right. That's not even like the only thing that happens too. She also mentioned at one point, stay in the woods for three hours. She yeah, there's a lot of choices that she's making to, to get yeah, away so this, from these people. This is like 2003. Random air travel is very very difficult at this point, yeah. especially when you're on a watch list. Yeah, all paramedics have that 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 jump to Peru card they need to play every now yeah, and then. Exactly. So, the the Spider Man stuff is very funny to me too, as far as the. I guess we're trying to mask it, even though like everyone's a Parker. Like there's just like this, this weird energy as far as we're kind of addressing that this is a Spider-Man origin story (laughs) to an origin story, Uh, but we're not directly stating these things. I don't know. It's weird guys. This is a weird (laughs) series of things drawn together to connect the webs that make, make this Sony universe. Yeah. And then, like, spider powers aren't even that abnormal because there's an entire tribe in the Amazon that paints their bodies red and wears nets, so they look <laughs> like Spider-Man. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, I guess we don't need Tobey Maguire designing his suit anymore. In the Also, um, how do these spiders hunt their prey? Because everything they bite gets superpowers. So, like, <laughs> how do they actually bite things to kill them and eat they them? They have so many predator enemies now because yeah. everything's just superpowers. That's why Cheetahs, there's jaguars, and birds, and dung yeah. beetles. They all, they're all against the spider. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys um, about Dakota Johnson, not her performance here, but just in generally... Do you guys think that she's a good actor? I've seen movies that she's good in. I mean, I don't. This isn't one of them. But I would not. agree. Yeah, and I would actually point it to like things like because this came up when somebody was asking about it, and I was like, no, I actually think that she has good work. It's just that she doesn't like what Aaron said. She's kind of sleepwalking through this one. If you go watch something like the Peanut Butter Falcon, it's like she's really charming and good in that movie, uh, and so it's capable. She's capable of it. This it's material not, just isn't good. It's not someone where I'm like, I can't wait to see the next episode. But it's more like when certain things I've like the Suspiria remakes, I think very good. Or like um sure. Cha Cha Real Smooth from last year, um, was or two years ago now, was sure. um a solid indie with her mm-hmm. and the other guy. 
like the yeah it, it just feels like this is any like any other actor that signs on to a thing that they're not passionate about like uh what's his name oh, god this is a terrible example but james franco is a guy where when he's not invested it's very obvious he's not invested that's a that's a good comp yeah I like and like for example we like rise of the planet of the apes a lot but that <laughs> it but it's not because of james franco <laughs> he, no. he is no. not he's not checked into that movie at all yeah. um you know what movie he's good in milk he's very he's good at milk he's very yeah. good at milk there's a lot of movies he's very good so in. like like we we're saying like when he's super invested in it it's actually a really good performance yeah it can be yeah. and i think that's what we get here i think it's very clear that there's not like a, all my life been waiting to play madam web it's just like <laughs> no yeah sony paid me money and um i get some worldwide credit for that um and i can do what i can take that and use it for other opportunities that's sure. what it feels like yeah possible does anyone else stand out for you here luke does anyone else stand out here well, like I said, I like the three Spider Girls. I thought they were mm -hmm. cool. Um, at, you know, Adam Scott always stands out a little bit in what he does. I would um, agree. So, so he's he's decent as as you know the umpteenth Uncle Ben. He's not asked um, to do much, and so I'm like, okay, so he's just Adam Scotting his way through this, and I'm fine with that. I, I didn't necessarily <laughs> pinpoint the the that it was ADR that was the problem with the villain, but it did seem like there was no feeling behind. He said the words perfectly and there was no feeling behind any of There's them. There's a lot of like behind his head shots, including like him getting into a car talking I, to somebody. I could, I could feel it. Like I, I've, yeah. I've, 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 I've seen to Haruhim and other things and like, like but, Napoleon, but just the way he's, yeah, like Napoleon, just the, which, uh, uh, yeah, but, um, but I would say, no, I can't think of any other sure. performances that stood out in it. They're, Really, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot to mention the best thing about this. Not the best thing, but so I, <laughs> I didn't see this at a press screening, uh, and the only convenient time that I had to see this was in Screen X. Screen X formats was how I saw Madam Web uh, at no extra charge because Regal was like, "Guys, we need to sell this movie. <laughs> we need no up charges on the special on the premium screens." Yeah. So I saw this in Screen X, where the where it's a two hundred seventy degree version. Of a of a movie, uh -huh. and um, it did not add anything at all. <laughs> I was like, you, you must have loved like, that two hundred seventy degree view of a Pepsi Co lo logo. Oh, it was there <laughs> along with it was a lot of the like the Amazon or the yeah the Amazon stuff where it's just like slightly larger and whatnot. Sure. But uh, yeah. boy, did I get the so full very large experience. car interiors. A lot of, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Very, very <laughs> large car interiors. Green, yeah, green screen visual background car interiors. <laughs> and apparently, that's Cassandra Webb's superpower. By the way, it's she can see the future and she can like decently drive cars through walls when needed. Like that right. seems to be the yeah. thing that she's really good at. I mean, that's you have, it's funny. You have J Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man two saying, Oh, guy named Otto Octavius gets eight arms. What are the odds? It's like, well, maybe better odds than that. Someone named Cassandra Webb gets bitten by a spider that makes her <laughs> predict bad things. Uh, she's yeah. trying to change the future. Luke. I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say Madam Web becomes Madam Web by the end of Madam Web. I think that's fair. So here's my question on that one. We all seem to be at least vaguely familiar with Madam Web, right? Yeah. That's the general takeaway. Um, by watching just this movie, could you tell that she was blinded and paralyzed by, by uh, becoming Madam Web? In not this movie? paralyzed, blinded, yes, because they just, they show the eyes, but There's not, a quick not paralyzed. Well, even like when it happens, it's like a nope. quick shot of nope. like something hits her in the face. Yeah. And because I saw that, 
but I, the movie did a terrible job telling me that she's paralyzed. <laughs> like yeah. I just, that did not register to me at all. Well, I got that at least either. in the moment she was, cause she's in that wheelchair at the end. So I think, you know, I just figured she was coming out of the hospital. But, like anybody does. No, but like what, yeah, when it, when, when it happened, no, I didn't, I didn't get the, the impression of any of this. So, yeah. Um, but, I have a question I mean, for you guys. Oh, wait, go ahead, Luke. When they when they announced this movie, it was like Dakota Johnson. Everyone was like, "Well, how is Dakota Johnson going to play an old woman in a wheelchair?" Blah blah blah. It's like uh-huh. then people went into the deep lore. Oh, there have been a bunch of different Madam Webs, and one of them was basically Spider Woman, and she was Madam Web for a little while, and mm-hmm. that's probably who she's going to be. And then I was like, "Nope, it's the old woman in the chair." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should have yeah. did a twenty year flash forward. She has like a gray wig on. Or exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> they do that with the villain. It is set in 2003, so yeah. they could have easily aged it up to her watching fucking Sandman on TV. Like, oh, man, things exactly. are really getting wild over in New York. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in New York in that time span. So, um, Oh, yeah, this movie does start in 1973, where Ezekiel Sims looks pretty much the same, the same to yeah. 30 years later. But I guess he I mean, ha- it's, it's, a spider, it's a spider. He has, he has spider powers. Exactly. Though, yeah. But not exactly spider powers. We can't, so we can't call them We don't know man. what they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Um, I had a question around just like the her powers. Uh, I didn't really think that they kind of not even that they need to expand, but they just didn't explain how her powers work or what they are actually doing. I was just kind of annoyed at times when they kind of kept repeating the same things. Um, but curious what you guys thought about that, because there certainly are ways that you can explain this, even if it is an exposition dump, um, which well, it kind of does. But things but- like lived, I repeat is a fun way to explore how this thing works. They did the they did the thing that most martial arts movies do, do, where they sort of referenced, "Here's the one thing you're going to be able to do when you're powerful enough." And sure enough, she does it. But it doesn't make sense why that would be a spider thing, because yeah, um, yeah. spiders, as far as I know, I'm trying to dance around spoilers for anyone who's foolhardy enough to go see this now. Uh, spiders don't do that thing, and no living creature does that thing. Sure. So. <laughs> As far as you know, spiders yeah. don't do that thing. Especially like given all the strength when they're doing that thing too, right, Luke? So yeah. No, no Abe, I, I agree with you. I'm sitting here just being like, I guess just I I know what Madam Web is, so I have to go along with this. But boy, is this movie doing a it's it's having a rough go of it as far as explaining the simplest thing. <laughs> like like yeah. how what what how this power like I in some instances it's okay, but like yes, as a whole it feels like it's going the, you know, it's taking route B, which is more difficult to get across the idea as opposed to making it simpler. And it's like, why? Like, this yeah. doesn't seem like it's a hard thing to I also was across. waiting for them to explain it further. And I was like, oh, they're going to do it because she's in Peru. And she meets this guy who is not wearing the same stuff that he was wearing 30 years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, but they he, he fails to explain it, too. So. Yeah. Incredible. Um, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as I said, it, it, it's boring. That's the other problem with this movie. Like, it's yes. not. Yeah. I wasn't having fun getting through this, even from like a campy level. I'm not going to say Morbius was that much better, but it did have like Matt Smith hamming it up, right? And like stuff. That's exactly that was, the same thought that I had too. Actually. It had it had like few hints of that. This doesn't have any of those hints, um, right. for me at least. I, I get Luke that you, you like aspects of like the the three girls or whatnot, but I mean, yeah. I you still think it's pretty terrible as a movie anyway. So I mean, I, I I like this a little better than Morbius. I thought the I thought there's a bit more of a bad fun quotient than there was in that one. 
I not, guess I'm reverse, but like I, I, I don't totally not reverse. by much. <laughs> yeah. and I'm not saying either one's no, I great. Yeah, I um, like yeah, I I'm the reverse, but it's also like I don't want to watch either of these again. So that's <laughs> that's where I stand on anyway. Yeah. Like I I'm on the same page as you. It's just reverse. Morbius just by a little uh, an iota more, but yeah, I hear because nobody's gonna say it's Madam Web in time, but everyone's gonna keep saying it's Morbin time. So <laughs> I think I just I just prefer looking at women than men i think uh, that's, that's that's the only distinction there <laughs> do you remember when we when we created a twitter movement for it's Mormon time and they re-released it and it got zero dollars <laughs> yeah yeah when the world yes. was like we said no the first time thank you <laughs> yeah i was like don't you guys get what an internet joke is this goes back to luke's whole entire thing I'm like i guess execs really know how to make or what movies the audience is like so yeah. so the 90 million dollar question is how much does craven do um in relation to this cost this movie costs 80. I can't imagine the, the thing that's I'm not gonna say forgivable, but acceptable about these Sony movies is that they are coming in, you know, they're not 200 million dollar things. They're they're you know 90-ish million dollars, yeah, I, I which see. is respectable. Um, I mean, if you're asking like why does Batgirl and whatnot get canceled or whatnot, I can't speak to Warner Brothers stocks and their bottom lines and all that bullshit, but they're they're in an environment where they've done so much that's invested heavily in these giant properties. So having like these medium ones or whatever is whatever works for their tax benefits, whatever. Sony's not in that position. Sony hasn't been like, we only do this, therefore it has to do this. They make a lot of mid-budget stuff in addition to like the occasional Spider-Man movie or what have you. Mm -hmm. So like these are responsibly, responsibly budgeted, but this one's bombing already. It made 24 billion over the course of the, the first like few days and okay i mean it's not gonna do great and yeah. we still have craven coming um in october i believe uh, with aaron tara johnson mm-hmm. now that's gonna be an r-rated movie um uh, it has by default a little more star power with russell crowe uh, being in there and i mean aaron Taylor johnson's not a huge star but like people know who he is august 30th okay. that's when it comes out okay. Is that when it comes out? August 30th? It's a uh, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was October last year and now it got moved. So it's mm-hmm. okay. It also has a CGI rhino as the villain, apparently. And not Paul Giamatti. Not so Paul obviously, Giamatti. Yeah. Obviously, I'm out. <laughs> but, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But do you, did like, does that excite like we've seen that trailer right luke you've seen that yeah, trailer yeah. like is yes. that is that more intriguing to you in any way no it's the opposite of intriguing it's repellent <laughs> <laughs> i i don't disagree and it's again these movies that don't involve spider-man just make no sense to me i don't know what we're doing with this like i don't know what it's like obviously trying to build to this dream idea that sony wants to have all of these villains in one film against spider-man but if they keep bombing, like, I don't know what they're expected to get out of this. I don't know, like, if they, that's a realistic goal for them. Now, granted, the Venom films make money. Luke, do you like the Venom movies? I do like the Venom movies. I But I've always enjoyed Venom as a character in pretty much every iteration. Although I didn't care for how Sam Raimi handled him entirely. But... I thought you were going to say especially Topher. I thought that's what you were going to say next. But... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I did like the way Topher played him, and I liked that almost alone in the Raimi Spider-Man movies. He was a genuinely evil character that enjoyed being evil and wasn't just a misunderstood father figure gone wrong. (laughs) But it was clear Raimi didn't like him and wanted to get rid of him as quickly as possible. Uh, I've I've always just really liked Venom visually. He's one of my favorite characters design-wise. And Mm -hmm. 
Tom Hardy's take was not at all what I expected any take on Venom to be, but I think him trying to do Brando is yes. hilarious in the first one, and him leaning into them being gay lovers in the second one is equally awesome. So I'm cool if they keep doing those movies, um, but they're going to run out of interesting villains for Venom very fast. Just other symbiotes. Um, right, yeah. I, yeah, that's why I don't know what to expect here because those movies make money, but these other ones haven't. And Craven probably not going to make a lot of money, so I don't. I just don't know what yeah. Sony's going to be doing with all this. Well, yeah. Ven- but Venom is a comic book character sold. You know, he, he sold so well that he became an anti-hero in a way that Craven never really has. Craven's always been best in Spider-Man stories. He hasn't had his own arc as a good guy as you know, as a separate thing. Venom is one of those super hugely popular characters that you can't, that there aren't a whole lot of others of, really. And right. and, well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Venom is, that's popular. That's working. But mm-hmm. like the other side, the other four characters or whatever that they've assembled in this Sony universe aren't working very right. clearly. So yeah. it's like, no. what's Sony going to do? Like, I don't, I don't yeah. know plan is for them right now because they have they have one character that people are responding to and liking and they have morbius this that they have three others <laughs> i'm guessing that craven's not going to be super well perceived they have three others that people are rejecting and they still have spider-man hanging somewhere in the balance like right what's the goal there <laughs> like what is yeah. what do they think is going to happen I just I don't and know it, what that is, and <laughs> it's it's not as a uh, I'm trying to prognosticate too hard either. It's just that you know when I watch something like Madame Web or when I'm watching you know the Stinger credit of Morbius, I'm just like I don't know what you guys are trying to do here. Um, because what they want to do is they want to make a Sinister Six. No, I hear you. Yeah, that's yeah. what they what, but like how? <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I just don't see you know, pardon like the pun here, but I just don't see how like the web comes together, mm-hmm. and it it's really just matter of you know if these were just good standalone movies yeah you could actually just do exactly what you wanted to do which is like great you know i'm gonna incorporate all these things which is why it's fascinating that all three of us here have said that the venom movies are probably the more more interesting ones because he tom hardy kind of is just like i'm gonna do this guy and i'm also gonna executive produce these movies um, and, and get do, story credits and everything on yeah, it. Yeah, and like just really like make this because uh, I think that he's cool, or I think whatever the case might be. And if that how that interacts with Spider-Man later will be interesting to me. Madam Web, Morbius, I there's nothing very interesting about the individual movies themselves, and so that's why it just becomes well, I please don't do this. You know what I mean? Please don't go this way, Anakin. <laughs> Well, it's it's notable that No Way Home has happened. That made a billion and a half dollars. It was huge. And we haven't heard anything about what they want to do for the next one with Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps making me think, like, are they trying to, like, draft some super screenplay that brings all of these guys together? Like, I don't I, I'm so curious what they want to go for right now. And I just I don't know. I'm I I, I want to see what yeah. that's going to be, I, I, and if it's going to bring all these people together because Sony wants it that way, and then they can make more money or whatever. Or if Feige's like, no, you guys do that, and we'll keep Spider Man over here, and do I I don't know. I don't know yeah. what to expect. And I and, think when the when the Spider Verse movies are over, they've got to be thinking live action Miles Morales. Of I course, mean, yeah, sure. I think yeah. they can't really do anything with him or Spider Gwen until that's finished. 
Mm-hmm. Although it sounds like they're doing from the news today that they're going to do a live action Spider-Man noir TV series with Nicolas Cage, which would be sure. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be great. But um, one, you know, one of my favorite characters in that universe is Gwenpool, but that's a character with rights that are that have got to be a nightmare because Deadpool belongs to Fox and Gwen belongs to Sony, so mm-hmm. she's a mashup of both. I don't know how that movie ever happens if it does, but it'd be a fan casted YouTube movie. It'll be a CVS um, series somehow. CVS? <laughs> you you, you can access it by store? getting a receipt. Yeah. CBS. Oh, CBS. Okay. I'll <laughs> say CBS. The pharmacy store is making movies. It's a Walgreens original. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I was going to say that, um, you know, all this, uh, Luke, I, I was going to pick back and spring right off what you're saying. There's just. When you have multiversal characters and you have um, these stories that involve a ton of things, the animated stuff is amazing. You know what I mean? And we've seen that with DC as well, which is like the DC movies, the animated movies from DC, pretty good. Um, The live Um, action ones, not as good. I'm not as big a fan. I've watched a lot of the DC animated movies. I I wouldn't say they're even remotely close to Spider-Verse. No, totally. Yeah, they're definitely not. In comparison, it's just more that you're able to actually do more things from a power standpoint, from you know bringing people in standpoint, that is much easier to accomplish. And all all this is leading up to is that I, I, I actually do like that the Spider-Man series is kind of taking on this um, gun DC style thing with Batman, which is like Matt Reeves is going to do his own thing, which is why I'm like, okay, great, across the Spider Verse, into the Spider Verse, and beyond the Spider Verse. It's its own thing, and I and I love that about it. You know, it's it's not really going to be attaching itself to any of these projects. Um, Watch and, Beyond uh, to be like fuck you, way, but it brings in everything. That, I would be so mad. <laughs> it's a mix of live so action mad. animation, like, like fucking <laughs> Madam Web. Shows it's it's the like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit of Spider Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they did in the second one. They had a lot of references. They had, yeah, yeah. They, they entered the Venom verse very quickly. They did. Well, yeah, Glover sitting in a prison. I mean, yeah. Right, yeah. But they also have like the the shop lady there too. Yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, so uh, I'm not very enthused with um, the future of of this series. The live action spider series. Yeah, exactly. The the Sony controlled live action spider series. Yes. Yeah. Well, getting us all the way back to Madam Web. It's currently in theaters. We don't seem to have liked it very much. When do people go and see this movie? Luke? Um, Not at all. If Axel Braun's doing a porn parody, do the, watch that instead. <laughs> Abe? Uh, you don't have to see this movie. If you do, you can watch it on television with commercials, like regular TV, like broadcast TV, NBC, ABC kind of thing. Oh, uh, yeah, this is a lame duck of a movie. It's uh, you don't you don't need to bother with this one. Watch Spider-Verse instead again. Maybe there's a there's probably some character. There's there's a couple spider women in the Spider-Verse movie, actually. Yeah. Watch. So, well, yeah, yes, yeah, so a lead, if, if a lead you, character. If you if you need those characters, that's that's a that's a way to access that. And I'm not watching this nonsense. Um. All right. <laughs> let's uh. Let's move on now. Let's get a hey, what um. Uh, what what uh. What time is it over here? Time for a couple cool games. Let her know. In fact, that's actually the jingle that plays when she sets up the car, the the stolen taxi cab that she has. But Aaron was like, no, I actually just want it for the score, and they said no dice, and then they like, made a sad movie. She had the stolen taxi car. Goes to Peru, comes back, keeps the stolen taxi car. <laughs> yeah. 
But she takes the license plate off, so nobody. I I that. laughed at that That's part how it because works. no, I laughed at that part because there are giant numbers on the taxi cab that will tell you which taxi cab it is, regardless of the license plate. <laughs> that is like that. She got back from Peru. It's like, oh, my car's still here. <laughs> yeah, this this busted up car that's here is still this here. Stolen taxi cab that I have. Nobody got nobody looked after it for a week. Uh, the first game here is called Box Office. Okay. Uh, this is where I will name a movie from the Spider-Man universe, which we just talked about. Closest to the domestic box office run will get the point. Uh, oh, God. There's okay. only a few of these. So, um, again, Luke, I'm going to let you decide because you're the guest if you want to go first or second. Sometimes it is in your best interest to go second. But you can also set the bar for uh, the um, movie that I will name. Well, I've just been watching a bunch of Fear Factor reruns, and the people who go second always seem to do better. So I'll say second. <laughs> Okay, well, Aaron, Venom 2018. What was its U.S. domestic domestic box office run? Domestic for Venom mm-hmm. 2018. Tom Tom Hardy. Yeah, <sighs> what does it what does it end out at? Um, let's Jesus. Let's say is it that high? Let's say two twenty five. Two two five. Okay, and then what about you, Luke? I am so terrible at this. I'm purely guessing because I don't pay attention to these numbers. I'm going to say 185. 185. Uh, the answer here is 213. So Aaron, oh, wow. Point. That was pretty close. Yeah, 213.5. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. It had a huge, it had like a 90 opening here, so it was crazy. Like, people wanted to see them. They just, they were really into it, and I guess it kept going. Yeah. Um, the first weekend there was, yeah, it was like 80 million. Uh, Luke, you can go first or second in this next one, too. Venom, let there be counterage. Uh, what the hell? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'll go first on this one, since okay. I'm randomly guessing anyway. I will I will say the same thing, 185. 185. And Aaron, what about you? I think it's, like, about the same. Um, so maybe a little low, just because it's, it's, like, COVID, but it was, like, it was one of the six movies that claimed to have saved cinemas. So... I will let's say two oh five. Uh, the answer is two thirteen. Jesus, so, it was the same. I told you. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. And this is this is not a trick question. I was like, wow, am I am I seeing double here? But it's yeah, it's basically the same. U.S. domestic domestic box office run two thirteen point five. Yeah. Um. So Aaron, you get that point. The last one here, Morbius. Okay. Uh, Luke, you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go first. I'm going to say. 35. 35 mil U.S. domestic box office rent. Uh, what about you, Aaron? I mean, it didn't bomb that hard, but it didn't do... Uh, let's say let's say 65. It is 73.8, so you get that point, too. Right. Uh, Morbius, not a great reviewed film, not a great box office hit, but uh, I'm glad that the Tom Hardy ones were there. Uh, Luke, better luck in this next game here. This is on a scale of this is we're uh, we're on the Metacritic square, uh, scale, so zero to hundred for movies that are biopics of musical artists. Uh, so, Aaron, you win that first game here. Luke, you can go first or second, and then I'm going to alternate. So you can choose first if you want to go first or second in this game. I'll go second. Okay, Aaron, mm-hmm. get on up. What is the Metacritic score for Get On Up? Get on up, Metacritic. Watch me. Um, let's let's say um, uh, let's say sixty one. Six one. Okay, Luke. What about you? 
Uh, I'm thinking that's higher. I'm going to go with 80. 80. Let me do some quick math here. Uh, Aaron, 70 you get it. Yeah, it's 71. So you're off by nine. Aaron, you're off by 10. Okay. Uh, so Luke, you get that one. 71. Um, and because Aaron went first, Luke, you get to go first in this next one. Ray. Ooh, that. Jimmy Fox movie. That was popular and claimed. Um, I will say 85. 85. Okay. What about you, Aaron? Hey. Just say, hey. Um, I get sorry. I don't, I don't, I'm no Jamie Foxx bear. I can't conduct an entire. <laughs> I was just like, well, let me get a diet Pepsi. I can't conduct an entire Oscar audience to respond <laughs> to that when you when you win Best Actor. Uh, Ray, let's see. I said 85. Mm-hmm. I'll, I guess I'll opt a little lower. I'll say 81. It is 73. So Aaron, you get that uh-huh. point. You got the right one, bait bag. <laughs> I, I love when Thomas and Nicholas does that in Rookie of the Year. Uh, is that the one where the owner's like he's he's outraged that a hot dog in a soda costs like five dollars? That's a specific way to reference which movie I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> like, not the is that the one where the kid breaks his arm and throws pitchers balls? No. <laughs> uh, I, Aaron, I, oh, go ahead. I can't. I can't recall if that's the one where that specific thing happens. I think it is, but I, I'll have to go back and look at it. As we all know, I'm a little big league fan. That's that's my movie of choice. Makes sense. Also, as we all know, I just remember really strange sequences in movies. <laughs> uh, Aaron, Love and Mercy is a very good biopic movie that um, stars Paul Dano and also uh, John Cusack. It is. I really like that movie. Did it score super high Metacritic? I will say. I'll say 79. Okay. What about you, Luke? I'll go lower. I'll say 63. It is 80. Wow. What oh. so up? The critics really liked it. So, Aaron, you get that. Now point. we see why Metacritic never uses my reviews. <laughs> that's pretty do. good. That's yeah. pretty good for a movie like that. That's, yeah. that's very strong. for. I thought, it'd be, I thought it'd be lower, honestly. I was like, I'll just go yeah. live. But... Uh, the next one here, Um, you got to go first, Luke. Weird, weird, colon, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, I think that was pretty much across the board, beloved, um, by people who got the joke. Uh, oh gosh, I don't want to repeat myself too much on these scores, but I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say like an eighty-three. Eight-three. Okay. What about you, Aaron? The the another one rides the bus sequence at the <laughs> whole another party one rides the bus. is great. I I <laughs> that is wonderful. Um. <laughs> It's certainly liked. It's been, like, is it? People are giving like four stars across the board. So I'll go. A little, I'll say seventy-five. It is seventy. Okay. So Aaron, you get that point. Uh, the next one here, Aaron, you get to go first. The Buddy Holly story from nineteen seventy-eight. Reaching back now, get the teeth on Busey. Um, Buddy Holly. Uh, seventy-three. Seven three. What about you, Luke? I would go pretty close to that, so I'll go slightly under and say seventy. Should have gone higher. It's seventy eight. Okay, pretty high. Uh, uh, Luke, you go first in the next one here. Selena with Jennifer Lopez. Hmm. I will say sixty five. 65. And what about you, Aaron? That's a good guess. Uh, 
I don't want to be a dick and be like 66, so I'll say 63. You should have gone 66 because it's 67, so <laughs> you get that point, Luke. <laughs> Jeepers. Uh, just a few more here. Um, uh, Aaron, you gave me a first. Whitney Houston, colon, I want to dance with somebody. I thought that movie was fine. I liked it more than most, though. Um, so I'll, I don't think it was like panned. I'll say 52. 5 2. What about you, uh, Luke? That is literally the number I was going to say. <laughs> you so, could say it. Uh, I'll go one higher and say 53. Should have gone lower as 51. Wow. Let's let's pro- let's praise how good we are with that. That's pretty good. Yeah, you guys are both <laughs> that's pretty, pretty good. There. That's yeah. a pretty good guess. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple... that we that we both entirely had in mind. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Just a couple more here. Bohemian Rhapsody, Luke. What do you think Bohemian Rhapsody got? The Oscar uh, winning Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I think people liked it a bit more than Aaron did. I'm going to say sixty. Six zero. What about you, Aaron? It has like Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's like 75 or something, something dumb. Well, that's not um, the scale we're playing on. I know. I'm just saying, like, it's <laughs> it has a certain kind of like for people that boggles my mind. Um, what did Luke say? 60? What did you he say? He said 60. Yes. Yeah, 60. Okay. I will say 66. Should have gone lower. It's 49. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last one here, Aaron, you get to go first. La Bamba. Ba da 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 bumba. I have Richie. the criterion. Uh, that uh, that that movie works. Um, it's a good movie, and it's it is. Very, it's very devastating. It is. Um, Hashtag Odana. Let's see. Um, uh, LDP. Um, I'll say sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. What about you, Luke? I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with Buddy Holly's rating just because of the connection there. 78. 78. Uh, it was 65. Ooh, so pretty close. Aaron, pretty close there. Uh, Luke, thank you for uh, being our participant this week in both games. Aaron, you, you won both of them. Yay. So congrats. <laughs> yeah, that was on a scale of music edition. Uh, as it's well only as... fair. I was on a roll the last couple of times I've like, done <laughs> games, so <laughs> I was about due for. You a win meeting. some, you lose some. That's the right attitude, Luke. That's what Morbius says. <laughs> win some, you lose. That's his classic. Isn't that his classic catchphrase? <laughs> yeah, yes. especially like when he's like with those super soldiers. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's what he lose. said to to Tyrese before he flew off into the night. I forgot that Tyrese was in that movie. <laughs> Tyrese forgot he was he's in that the movie. <Yeah>. All right. Well, thank you for those games, Dave. That was fun. You're welcome. Let's uh, let's move on now to about now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, where we ask a number of questions to the listeners and they, they gave us some answers. And yeah. then we got a couple questions from the listeners this week as well. First question here is what are some great films featuring people researching something dangerous? Brandon Peters from the show has Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, in the opening of Star Wars colon The Rise of Skywalker as he seeks to find the source of Emperor Palpatine's cryptic <laughs> message that came over a fortnight from the Sith planet Exegol. Brandon <laughs> Peters, I love Brandon. Just keep on going with this. Uh, incredible. Uh, Chris Bluland has Splice. Um, mm-hmm. Justin Weatherby writes Arachnophobia. 
Philip Hurd writes Mr. Jones. And lastly, Christopher Hill writes Flatliners, Reanimator, Crash, the Cronenberg movie, and The Fly. What about you guys? People, movies where somebody is researching something dangerous. I would add Deep Blue Sea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that did not work out well for those people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honey, I, honey, I Shrunk the Kids is my that's answer. That's a good one. That's that's a fun one, actually. I can't top that. So it's honey, dangerous. Kids too. They, they're, they're small. They're big yeah. and they're small. Exactly. And then they blew up the kid. And then they blew up the kid. And the founder, I mean, Michael Keaton's character was investigating how to make McDonald's better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you really know, King Kong. Nick Offerman's life. King yeah. Kong, they researched Skull Island. They didn't like the results. Sh- shouldn't have done it. <laughs> shouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. Were they really researching, though? Why didn't they go on Skull Island? They had a map. They researched the location and they found what they were looking for. Yeah. Exactly. Those idiots. <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> what are some great films about characters who can see the future? Todd Liebenau, a friend of the show, writes, The Empire Strikes Back. Luke sees the future when he's standing his, on his hands and making rocks float. Uh, he sees his friends. Yeah. Chris Cleveland has a rival. Scott Neil Astor writes, Knowing, underrated gem in my opinion. Hmm. It's a movie. Uh, good ending. Uh, Christopher Hill has The Eyes of Laura Mars and The Wolverine. Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes Minority Report. Farron Mins has The Dead Zone. Mark mm-hmm. Hoffmeyer. God, somebody said that. Yeah. Mike, Mark Hoffmeyer, friend of the show, has all the Final Destination movies. I'll take the moments in FD2 with the logging truck. And Philip Hurt has Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Great movie. Yeah. A lot of good answers here. Mine's a cheat. It's predestination because it's not really knowing the future. It's something cool. Okay, I can go with that. Um, you can see the future. I mean, they literally get a sports almanac in Back to the Future too. So I mean, they Grace. see the sports. I mean, they literally see the future too because they're in it. Yeah, they're, they're, in, yeah, they're yeah. also they're also they also went there. That's yeah, true. They've yeah. seen hoverboards, Texaco, Jaws nineteen, <laughs> and this year is a dustbuster. Uh, anything else, Luke? No, the dead zone was going to be my big one, and okay, uh, okay. somebody at least really good VHS. Thankfully, somebody mentioned that one. Yeah, that that used to scare me a lot when I was watching the video store there. The ice—it's going to break. The dead zone is the basis for like most modern Christopher Walken impersonations. Really, yeah, it's, pretty it's much. When he it's when he became weird Christopher Walken in the public imagination. Yeah, so he stopped, was... he he stopped being an Oscar winning character actor and became right, this yeah. guy. <laughs> It became like this weird, like shadowy figure, and then. But he's also like, he he is great in the Dead Zone. <laughs> like I need to put course, that yeah. clear. He's really good in that movie. <laughs> but he's also good, you know, tap dancing in in all the other movies. True. Uh, <laughs> the next question here is: What are some great films featuring a dark version of a heroic character? Todd Liebenauer writes Mission Impossible. Jim Phelps is the hero in the series, but is the villain in the first film. Hmm, okay. And Philip Heard writes, Dread, since it took such a dark turn from Stallone's film. (laughs) It's a stretch, but it's funny. Yeah. yeah, It's a good call, Philip. Dark version of heroic character. Um, Anytime they're like, hey, what if Superman was bad? Um, They do that a few times. Uh Superman 3 and that dream sequence. and Alternate Flash cartoon movie. Yeah, Yeah, the Flash uh, had it. And uh, Logan. That's another one. Yeah, well, yeah, Logan gives us a dark Wolverine. Mm. 
Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, like X twenty four or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? I mean, it's a reverse, but like Terminator, but he's he's dark first, and then mm-hmm. becomes yeah. bad good in the next. I mean, <laughs> Sarah Connor was about to like go back to the mental institution T two before. Well, there's there's dark said. there's dark John Connor in Genesis, of course. That's true. Yeah. Our friend Tyler Foster's favorite film. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the but the of course the question was what are some great films? Not what are the worst oh, films okay. of the year that feature our friends of her own character. <laughs> uh, Transformers: The Last Night, Nemesis Prime. Boom. It's a great film. It is a great film. I stand by that call. <laughs> it's a movie. All right. Next question we have here. What are some great female team-up movies? Todd Liebenau writes Hustlers. Jason Hemming writes The uh, Death Proof. Chris Cleland has Annihilation and Mad Max Fury Road. Philip Hurd has A League of Their Own. And Catherine Onorata writes The First Wives Club would be my favorite, followed by Thelma and Louise. Hmm. A League of Their Own. Good call there, Phil. That's, that's a fun... Uh, answer to this question here. Are we talking about female, all female team ups, or women teaming up with other people? Sometimes you I can choose, you can interpret it the way you <laughs> want. But I, I think I, I, I think the idea, but the majority of the cast being female teaming up, I think. Was I always think it's interesting that, and this is a, a friend of mine pointed this out to me, and I've never lost it since. Is that the only female superhero movies there are in the modern era are either period pieces or team ups. There is no hmm. solo female superhero in the present day movie ever. Um, so, you know, the, the Harley Quinn team up suicide squad and the suicide squad and the Marvels, I, I've liked all of them a lot, but I'd like to see a modern female superhero movie that is a solo female one. Even Madam Webb again is not a solo character because there are mm-hmm. these three other girls or modern. <laughs> yeah, that, twenty that. years ago, it, it is that that, that, it is, it is also that distinctive period, period of two thousand and three. That's, uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a a basically over a generation ago. Yeah. Well, what about uh, what about what about Catwoman? Well, I, that's why I said the modern era because you did have Catwoman and Elektra in that period. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe those are the ones that turned everybody off. I don't know. You think Holly Berry is going to make a cameo in Deadpool and Wolverine? Well, that's well, uh, that's wrong PC, universe. so no. Oh, oh wait, no. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Catwoman. Of course, she's Storm as well. So yeah, yeah. quite likely. Oh, in that regard, yeah. If you're okay. Hey, do you guys know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? What? Same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> what a line! <laughs> Joss Whedon classic right there. I was like the one like Storm fry him, and then Magneto's like, "Do you know what happens when you're gonna fry him?" I thought you were part. I like his. I thought you were part of the school because he's calling him stupid. That's why it's funny. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, that excursion here that was a great uh, jot down memory lane of X Men 2000. Uh, Do you have any dream casting ideas in mind for biopics that haven't happened yet? Phil Perd has Jake Gyllenhaal's (laughs) Elon Musk. <laughs> By the way, Source Code is a better movie than Madam Web, and it also deals with like a bunch of like repeating future stuff. Sure, which yes. I thought about into that. Yeah. I just watched uh, Nightcrawler again uh, for the first time in a yeah. while, uh, where Jill and Hall is just fucking amazing in that movie. Yeah, like really uh, fucking like uh, scary and creepy. Yeah. And so watching, and so seeing this answer as him as Elon Musk, I'm like, God damn it, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Dream casting for biopics that haven't happened yet. Mm. I'm gonna say, uh, Liam Neeson as Abraham Lincoln, who didn't get shot at Ford's Theater, 
and he grows old. There you go. So it's an alternate <laughs> version of Lincoln. Yep. Featuring yeah. the original choice for from Spielberg before he waited too long and had to se- had to settle for that other guy. Yeah, Daniel exactly. Day-Lewis. And you know, looping it back into Argyle style, style thing, what's going to happen in the mid credit stinger is that uh, John Connor opens the door and is like, "Mr. President, I've got your breakfast for you." What you is know, this like, movie you're describing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making shit up. <laughs> uh, I'll just go with the thing that we're all thinking. That's right. Jack Black is Vasco da Gama. He's going to set sail. <laughs> He's going to round the Cape Horn, <laughs> the thing that Columbus failed to do. <laughs> Actually, find India. Um, going to crush it. No lie, I'm actually kind of. <laughs> yeah, I put. That. Yeah, now you're like that. Fucking sounds amazing. Jack Black is Vasco da Gama. I'm telling you right now. You don't want an Irish, Gulliver, though. Yeah, hey, that's true. He did do Gulliver, but that was like a TV movie, wasn't it? No, that no. Was the, oh, no, that, that's a movie. Okay, <laughs> that's, never mind. That's the movie that Emily Blunt made her not be Black Widow because she had to do reshoots on Gulliver's. Got it. Got it. Okay. All yeah, right. I've seen uh, him be. Gull- he could be more. He could be multiple explorers. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, Tom Hanks needs to finish off a trifecta. He's been Mr. Rogers. He's been Walt Disney. Tom Hanks has to be Dr. Seuss. Boom. There it is. Wow. Okay. Theodore yeah. Geisel himself, Tommy Heach. Wow. Using, okay. using, the, using the same Southern accent that none of them actually have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bag of tricks is weird how it has a limit, and that's what it is, apparently. <laughs> I'm playing an older guy. I guess I'll do Southern. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one, Luke. All right, next question we have here. What music biopics do you appreciate the most based on the music? Christopher Hill has Ray, Think, Amadeus, The Glenn Miller Story, Walk the Line, uh, Rhapsody in Blue, and I Saw the Light. Chris Cleary, no, I Saw the Light. God, that's a terrible movie. Chris <laughs> Cleary has Strata Compton, Walk the Line, and La Vie and Rose. Philip Hurt has Amadeus and The Doors. And Justin Weatherby has This is Spinal Tap. Mm, well- probably the best answer there yeah music biopics you appreciate because of the music does purple rain count sure sure i guess i will say i appreciate how rocket man used them to make it a musical i would i would agree yeah i think there's just enough style in that movie for me to be like yeah i like what it's doing with the music here right yeah when they don't start floating and stuff like that it's pretty better than rhapsody uh walk hard obviously the Dewey Cox story, yeah, yeah, because he because the guy was so eclectic, he just he 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 mixed into every genre. He did all. He did it all. Mm-hmm. He he certainly did it all. All the drugs, all the women. He everything. did. He did it all. <laughs> <laughs> he died ten minutes after he left that stage at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, the next question here is: What are some great relationships depicted in biopics? Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, writes Sid and Nancy. <laughs> Philip Hurd has King George and Lionel Logue in the King's Speech. And Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson in 42. He went a different direction with this question, but I appreciate the answers that he provided. Mm-hmm. Great relationships depicted in biopics. I mean, in that regard, as Philip, I'd say like, well, John C. Riley and Steve Coogan in the Laurel and Hardy movie. I mean, that's, that's, a, that, that, that's fun. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I... I mean, I'm just thinking like objects, but they're the, the, that's not like the um the whole the cast of One Night in Miami. That is that it, yeah, it, it really works. It's based uh, around their friendship, which I think yeah. one film is Kingsley Benadire. Exactly, yes. yeah, he, great performance. Uh, it really made me curious about the stage production. 
Like the things that I'm thinking about, like are objects. So, like you know, Oppenheimer and his bomb, and uh, <laughs> that's that's fair. And yeah, uh, yeah. and Robin Malik and his teeth. But you know, like... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so I can't really answer this one. So. <laughs> I was I was just thinking like Clint Eastwood and his truck and the mule. <laughs> that classic biopic, <laughs> the mule. Hey, he's he's talking about you know the drug trade in America, Aaron. <laughs> It's, it's it's a classic to me because Clint Eastwood is so much basically playing my dad in that movie other than the drug plot um just the mannerisms and everything and it's so it's a super memorable one in this household okay <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm googling some stuff here and I guess the real answer here is uh all the brothers in the iron claw okay no <laughs> Luke says some words about that one. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, wrong, Eric. Keep, keep, keep going, keep going. We got to keep going. Are, are we yeah, including the brother that they cut out of the they movie forgot? entirely? Yeah, I know. No, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, Henry Hill and his his his, his, his good fellas. His no. good fellas. Okay. All right, yeah. Are there any biopics you admire based on some of the minor details that you were aware of? Hmm. Justin Weatherby writes, not exactly a biopic, but Black Hawk Down. I mean, that's a biopic of sorts. Uh, since my dad was a ranger. I mean, it really helped. I read the book uh, that or the happening events for that book. And so it was really cool that that Mark also helped with the script. Um, and uh, they're able to get that movie off the ground. Um, any biopics that I admire based on the minor details that I'm aware of? Hmm. There's things in like First Man, just because I'm such a NASA nerd, like that mm -hmm. I like I like that they do and the and the right stuff for them. Honestly, the space movies in general. I think there's just like details I've seen scattered throughout, just on stuff that feels really trivial, but it's like, it. well, they they actually they they brought the stuff in for these things, even if it doesn't like register to every single person. So. Sure. Yeah. I do like that too when you know about the story that you're watching and yeah. and they show something. I, I don't really have anything off the top of my head for this. This this is my antidote to the Iron Claw, which is the wrestler. Even though it's a fake biopic, the real details that it pulled in from real stories rang uh -huh. incredibly true to me. So, oh, now you like wrestling movies, Luke? No, I, he, I, he likes the I like likes. a lot of wrestling yeah, movies, but the best wrestling movies are all documentaries for a yeah. number of reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. everyone's too busy protecting the business when they try to sell their life stories. Mm -hmm. So now we get to questions. Abe, we did this question a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted you I wanted you to read it out and give your answer to it. Okay, great. Uh, Philip Heard asks us, uh, or I, I guess asks me, um, I love the fun and passion of cinema that you guys have after doing this show for so many years. How do you avoid the cynicism that is so prevalent among cinephiles? Philip, this is a really good question. Um, part of the uh, impetus for me doing this show and, and you know Aaron and I being on this for such a long time is that we just wanted an outlet for being able to talk about movies in a fun atmosphere. And I've never cared about anything else. You know what I mean? Like I have never cared about like, Oh, well we should like be incredible. We should be incredibly like uh, more famous or, or more, um, more uh, well-renowned than we actually are. It's like, no, I kind of just wanted an outlet where I could speak freely about movies that I enjoy. Cause I watched so many of them and, and Aaron watches a ton of them too. And so does Luke. And that we can meet people and talk to them about movies that they have also enjoyed, meet filmmakers and and everything else, like everything that that I, the simplicity of what I I and Aaron are probably going for, is really what keeps the cynicism at bay. Like otherwise, like we would be like, oh my gosh, like we've got to uh, do these um, 
YouTube jaunts or like TikTok jaunts and, and Instagram jaunts. Like we could, but at the same time, I think uh, we both have real jobs too. <laughs> and uh, we have other things that we have to do. So I am I, doing it so long. I also have to give a ton of credit to Aaron, who is also like a huge engine around all this uh, with the way that he is just so um, uh, dedicated and, and super into making shows happen. And we come up with ideas together and we have back and forth via text, but it's never been anything beyond just um, like a really fun outlet to, to talk about movies with people that also love movies. And that's how, uh, that, that's how it keeps going. That's a, a very good answer. And, uh, I didn't need to be mentioned in there, but I appreciate How it. Okay. You, I, How I, dare I, I, you, Aaron? How dare you? need to be mentioned. Okay. Well, you, you take thanks. this. You take this credit, Aaron Newark. <laughs> a tomato meter approved critic. <laughs> I want to add, as someone who's been in the, at this quite a while, when I started, there were definitely people in the criticism game who were doing it for the fame. They were doing it because mm-hmm. being a film critic was still prestigious. And they obviously didn't like most movies that were coming out. Mm. And they sort of, you know, would seemed angry and would take their anger out on all these movies. And I don't think that's really an issue anymore. I think because the jobs have so declined, everyone who's doing this really still loves doing it, except for the people who are quite cynically marketing their own cynicism for clicks. Who who, who think that that big paycheck is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, those Disney checks that we get as critics are so fucking I know, it's good. so good. Oh my god, yeah. oh my god, those Disney by checks. Walt Disney himself. God, those Marvel movies, we gotta love them so much. <laughs> get those Disney checks, yeah. But I, not to add too much to it, but yeah, that actually is one of the things that I also enjoy is like we do criticize things that really haven't really been criticized. Um, because people sometimes are afraid to criticize it to hurt their brand. It's like, hey man everybody is entitled to their opinion. We're never going to go over the line and be like, oh my gosh, this guy is like a murderer and we're going to slander them. I don't know why I chose murderer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, like we're never going to slander somebody to death. But I certainly, I think Luke, to your point there, you know, and Aaron and I kind of like jokingly talk about this. I more so than Aaron when I, and I kind of just like pull some YouTubers name and be like, take that X person um, is just that. Yeah. You do see like a change in which they, uh, how they have, you know, earnestly reviewed movies into like a two, three minute soundbite. And you're just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, this is cool, but it's great for you. And I'm, I'm uh, nothing against you. Do your thing. But also the way that we've just expanded on two films over the course of like three hours here is a much more engaging conversation to be a part of. And just to emphasize it, those Disney checks, man. <laughs> Tomorrowland. Follow me on TikTok. <laughs> I mean, we're still looking for a Tomorrowland. Uh, I think we're the only ones that were also like praising John Carter of Mars. Well, John Carter. I'll, I'll praise John Carter. John Carter is great. No, John Carter. Hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. All three Tomorrow, of us. Tomorrowland is a mixed bag. But the yeah. checks we got. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Next. Next question. Thank, Phil, that is a good question. I'm. Hey, thank. I, I did want you. I wanted to hear your side of it too. I didn't yeah, want course. to just like skip over that one since you weren't here. But no, you should have. <laughs> okay. Okay. This next one is a is it a long winded letter? So here we go. Sup, Aaron and Abe. Now that you both have loved movies as an art form for over two decades at this point, over three decades in your case, Aaron, I mean, Abe's older than me, but fine. What is the same age? (laughs) (laughs) What is a movie continue? What is a movie continue? 
what what is a movie that you continue to love more and more over time that you didn't expect to for example one for me would be hugo there is so much to love about this film from its utilization to the then emerging 3d technology to help us experience a parallel to what first-time filmgoers experienced over 100 years ago in the first screenings of the train pulling into the station to its overlapping french cinema subplots of love and relationship in relation relational intrigue scorsese really brings his a game to this movie that i fell in love with for the first time i saw it in imax 3d however what makes me love it more and more as time goes on is just how relatable the yearnings of hugo cabaret and george george Belay's. The raw and heartfelt performances for both Butterfield and Kingsley show so much vulnerability as people who have a piece of themselves that is missing and that they are living lost souls who, that can't truly live until they find that missing piece of their hearts, which they come to find family, both by blood or by choice. There's a degree of human condition in these performances that I think we can all relate to. And as a result, every year that passes, I find this movie creeping higher and higher in my favorite movies of all time list. And it continues to hold up on repeated viewings of this film. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Tall Ken. Well, Ken, thank you for this that, elaborate email. Yeah. What what a beautiful email. Thank you for that, Ken. Tall Ken. Um, I have two answers here uh, as you're reading. Uh, the first answer is Casablanca. I first watched this in high school. Uh, and I think the more that I've watched it, the more I've really just leaned into it's just incredible writing, beautiful movie making the nuances and complexities of the of the international happenings uh globally but then also just like locally at Rick's is um it's really fun to to check out and and watch and then you just pick up on so many things like movie making details you know blocking lighting um uh, cinematography like really fun to watch and then a recent one that i tend to think about from um 2013 moonlight um, and Moonlight is a movie that I think has a lot of like complex narratives going on in it, and that's why I love it so much. Is that um, you can you can surface level watch this movie and be like, oh, it's this, this movie about like chosen family or whatever the case might be, or growing up in the South. Like, there's just a lot of other elements that I see in it as well, uh, and I really appreciate um. From an action or not from a from a movie making standpoint, I appreciate that uh, he has said the director has said that he only used a single camera uh, for all this, and it was like you know the Sony that he used, and he just had a lot of different angles. Incredible work by by him on that, and then the score by Nicholas Bertel is also very good. Like, there's just a lot of elements that I really like about that movie. But how about you guys? I mean. Movies that I love more over, you know, just appreciate more over time. It's the kind of thing that, like, there are a lot of movies where either I grew up with them or I just always had, like, a certain kind of affinity for them. And mm -hmm. then as I, like, look at my, like, my favorite movies list, I'm like, why isn't this on there? And then I look at it and then, well, this should be one of my favorite movies. And I just elevate it. But, like, there's certain ones where, like, I don't know, they're comedies or they're horror movies or the things that I appreciate for like the visceral quality of it as far mm -hmm. as I'm laughing a lot, therefore I like it. Or this, you know, gets to me in whatever way because it's a horror movie and I like it. But then I, I look at it closer, uh, you know, it's like there's more going on here. So th something like Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks film, is a movie yeah. that I've, I've come to appreciate more so than when I was younger and I just simply thought it was very funny. There's an aspect to its spirituality um, that I find to be, really compelling and like what it's doing and what Albert Brooks is trying to say about his view on not just the afterlife, but just like the idea of what it is, what it is to, to live 
Um, that is, you know, it's it's both deeper and less deep at the same time. It's it's interesting in that way. It's okay. some ways that I think about more and more as I go along. And there's, you know, there's movies like Texas Chainsaw or Night of the Living Dead where like as I think about them more and more, I find different avenues of how to consider them um that I that make them stronger in my mind. Um and that applies to so many movies that I like see or think about in different ways because you just get older it just evolves more i'm trying to think of one that's like i liked it a certain amount and then just something clicked in my mind and it like really flipped the switch on me because like moonlight's a good example for you but like i i i really like moonlight i don't know if i've had yeah. any like, no, i hear you like deeper just thoughts on moonlight it really quickly it's like mm-hmm. i left the theater and i was like i guess it's fine and then i just thought about it for like the next three weeks kind of thing uh, and it, it just hit me a lot harder. So yeah, I hear you. It was like Hugo was like that for me too. Like I didn't go. I thought it was that's Tall Ken's I, answer. How dare you? But but like because we saw it, we <laughs> Tall Ken and I saw it together. So it's like we we like I I certainly had a like I like this movie. But then like as time went by, I was like, there's a lot here that I really appreciate that sure. did really stick in my mind. So like it, it is a it's good like um a most violent year. There is an answer for me. Like there that you go. J C Chander film with Oscar Isaac where. I liked it when I saw it. I thought it was pretty good, but it really stuck with me as this it like made your top 10, right? It made my top 10 of the decade. Oh, um, oh, the decade. It's wow. in like the, it was, it was, it, it, it's in my revised top 10. It wasn't in my top 10 at the time, but that's what we're speaking to with this question. It's a movie that I've, that one registers with me more now than when I had seen it, when I had reviewed it and when I had considered it for my top 10. Now mm-hmm. I think it's like one of the, if not the best movie of that year. Like I really, I really like what that movie is doing. I really like what Oscar Isaac's doing in that movie. I really like how it's put together and like what it's going after. So, yeah. Luke, any any thoughts from you on this one? Well, yeah, I mean, I the the qualifier was that you that there are ones that you didn't expect to like as much. I was initially sure. I was initially going to be glib and say Batman v Superman, which was mildly disappointing the first time, and I've come to really quite enjoy that a lot more. But I. The more I think about it, I think a Full Metal Jacket really stands out okay. for me because I yeah. used to have what is a fairly common criticism of that movie, which is that the first part is so strong that the second part doesn't measure up. Uh, you know, the boot the boot camp stuff is so great, and you know, Arlie Ermy and Vincent D'Onofrio are so wonderful in it that when mm-hmm. you switch to Vietnam, all of a sudden you sort of have to reorient yourself, and it's not as fun. But looking at it again recently when the 4k came out i watched it a bunch of times when you clearly see that it's joker's story and it's about his initial desire to know what it's like to kill and then at the end the moment he clicks into the thousand yard stare and he's become a killer and it's forever ruined him the fact that you see that when you see that arc all the way through the movie is revealed to you i think so that's that's going to be my one. I would also put Lost Highway, which is one of my favorite movies there, which is, a, again, one where I loved the Bill Pullman parts and didn't really get the Baltazar Getty parts the sure. first time. But the more I've watched it, and I've watched that movie a lot, the more it feels like this perfect Twilight Zone thing that if when it's if at the end of its runtime you picked up and started it again, it would be this eternal loop, and that is how the lead character is living it out. Um, so... Those are those are two strong ones, but again, Batman v Superman, I like a lot more than I did the first time as well. So mm-hmm. I would I would call David Lynch in general the answer to my question to this I, question as far yeah. as I I was not a Lynch person uh, for a good long while, 
And I feel like I just needed to like, for one thing, get older, um, but also just approach his films in a certain way that just opened me up to them and like going more on like Blue Velvet, which is like more of a beginner level Lynch, I would say, compared to some of his yeah. other movies. And I think by by going that route, that really helped me appreciate what he's doing in things like Mulholland Drive sure. or Inland Empire, uh, which I just saw for the first time pretty recently because it came out in Criterion. Um, the other one, another movie that, that popped in mind, uh, not a favorite, but like it's one where I didn't like it when I saw it, and now I really appreciate it. It's Southland Tales, the Richard Kelly film. Yeah, um, that's one where you do speak lovingly of the lovingly. Of I because I like because it's such a weird mess, yeah. <laughs> but it's like an endearingly weird. No, mess. No, totally, yeah. Because yeah. I think Kelly's that kind of a filmmaker. I think he's a guy that like pours himself into his stuff, and it very much shows on screen, even if the movies don't necessarily work that well. <laughs> which only applies to like one and a half of them, because I because I think Donnie Darko is great. I think Southland Tales is like an ambitious mess that I kind of like a lot. And then the box I like more than most, but I still think it's like, eh, it's whatever. <laughs> but it's still like, I don't doubt that Richard Kelly didn't put everything he wanted to in the making of those movies. Sure. Southland Tales, though, is one where it's like the first time I watched, like, this is nuts. There's weird performances. I don't care what we're doing. But it stuck with me. And over time, I'm like, this movie's pretty good. Like, this has had a lot of ideas in here. And God help me, I'd love to see The Rock embrace this more than, you know, being generic rock guy that he's been in so many movies as of late. Like, this is a far more intriguing rock performance than anything else I've seen recently. So, yeah. Um, this is a great question. Thank yes, you so it is. For it. It's really um, something we can revisit in the future, too. Yeah, exactly. The fun kind of question to answer and think about. Um, all right. Well, that's not enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this packed episode about Now Fair and Name. Um, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodyzeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Wheel of Entertainment and Why So Blue. And I'm on various social media channels at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more friends over my Instagram, abe.mua, and Twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag single target nucleotide intervention. <laughs> All right. Luke Thompson, where can people find more of you online? Uh, well, I write pretty regularly at Superhero Hype, uh, semi-regularly at the AV Club and Slash Film. I do quick reviews on TikTok. Look for me at L-Y-T-R-U-L-E-S, L-Y-T Rules, which is my handle across all social media networks. Uh, I think that covers it. But if you follow me on the social media networks and there are any others that I forgot, um, they'll show up too. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Authority on iTunes, Audioboom, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Potomac, and NHSWD. Feel free to email us at notpockets at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, Facebook.com slash Podcast or our Twitter, x.com uh, slash outnow underscore podcast. And we're on Instagram, Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And again, iTunes Reviews ratings. Good to get those. Helps out the show. Thanks so much. Luke, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And I, I hope Mulholland Drive becomes one of those movies for me, <laughs> to be honest. That's one I just bought recently, and I'm hoping it unveils itself to me at some point. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we're talking uh, Drive-Away Dolls is coming out. The Ethan Cohen film Nice. Is, uh, our main review for next week. But that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. And goodbye.